It is Free Talk Live. Welcome to the program. Phones are open if you want to join us. The number for you is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And here tonight, it's Ian, and I don't know how to introduce you, so... Mushmouth Mike. You choose. Mushmouth Mike is with us. And Jay Noon. And Jay is here as well. Uh, Jay, you and I were at... Not really your trial today, but uh, you kind of took over the trial because um, this was for your wife, uh, Shallon. And we've talked about this over the last several weeks on the show, uh, that uh, she's been charged with the nonsense charge of child endangerment for simply leaving uh, the two-year-old, I believe, that you have in the car last year, two at the time, uh, leaving a two-year-old in the car, strapped in, as I understand it, into a car seat. With the air conditioning on, on what was described as a cool day uh, or a warm day, depending on which witness that you uh, yeah. <laughs> that you spoke with today. March 18th in, uh, in uh, New Hampshire, there was still snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one, of the, one of the reasons they, uh, uh, they went into the city was so uh, Cypress could ride her uh, bicycle at one of the city parks. Because it was nice. Well... Because we had just still snow on the ground at our house, but right. you know, yeah, and there was, you know, it, it was either snow or mud. You know, there was no in between, and uh, and in the city, there's a lot of asphalt, and you know, the snow's all you know stacked up in the corners. You can cabin fever with the kids inside up here sometimes. I bet, I bet. So uh, it was kind of a nice day. You went out. She she went out. You weren't there for this, right? You were not present for no. The I wasn't. No nope. situation. Um, and she stopped uh, off at a TJ Maxx, went into, I think, do a return, if I recall right, correctly. Right, yeah, she had returned something. Uh, that information didn't get out during the trial today because you guys didn't put on any witnesses as the defense, which you're not obligated to do. Right. Uh, and uh, and so I want to talk a little bit about the trial that, that happened today. We are still waiting on a verdict uh, from the judge, which, in my opinion, is usually a good sign, generally... You know, if a judge wants to go ahead and find you guilty, they're just going to go right ahead and do that. So the fact that it's we're not sure yet, the fact that he's taken the they, matter under advisement is usually a good sign. It yeah, could do be it the scaredy cat way. Like they're not going to tell you right then, hey, uh, we screwed up, just dismissed. They want to do it, uh, you know, through the mail. Well, and it doesn't always happen this way. I mean, I'm some, sometimes I'm surprised when a judge will go ahead and find someone not guilty in the actual hearing because it always with a with a crowd like we had in there today and there was 30 to 40 people there and i don't think that includes the kids i did a quick count when i was out in the hallway before the trial started and there was a bunch of kids there but there were at least 35 maybe 40 adults that were at this trial so large turnout i'm not sure i've ever seen so many people in that you know, galleyway or, or, you know, the hallway outside the courtroom. I have. I've, I've seen a large number for uh, Footloose yep. and the New Hampshire Nine. There have been yep. some large turnouts for them. Also, uh, Rochelle Kelly, who was another right. parent targeted by uh, by the police in Concord for oh, taking yeah. her kids to the uh, playground during yep. COVID. Uh, Demo had a pretty big turnout a it, few times. Demo did too, but th- yep. at this particular court, this is the uh, the Concord okay. uh, court. But yeah, Demo managed to fill the Manchester court, which is even larger. At one point, for I think his wiretapping trial, that's a demo Freeman from copblock.org. But uh, the reason why they don't, I think, smarter judges probably don't want to issue a not guilty finding right then and there is because you got a crowd full of people who are going to erupt in applause and they know that there's video, right? Yep. They know they're on the record. Uh, and of course, they're always, quote, 
on the record, but it's different to have the official court recording, which you have to pay $25 to, uh, to get, and then just anybody who brings in a video camera, as Chris Wade from our show did today. So you get that crowd reaction of applause and, you know, people you know exclaiming their excitement and they, yep. they don't want that to happen and yeah. they certainly don't want any you know normal people to see that happening no 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 so. i definitely don't want normies uh uh seen it's a lot of times when i was in massachusetts uh years ago um you know going to court for all kinds of stuff uh they would it was almost always that my case you know whatever it was for uh would get, get right to the last. very end of the day yeah. when the courtroom was empty or you know i would ask them uh well, you know, one of the, you know, who's the injured party? Oh, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Well, I'd like to speak with Mr. or Mrs. Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and they would just lock me up for today. <laughs> <laughs> In this case, they pulled a sneaky trick. They had scheduled the trial for what's called courtroom three, whereas the one we're always in, in this particular court, if you see any Concord video, if you go to freekeen.com and search for Concord Court, you'll find all kinds of videos of various different trials from this co- courtroom three. Well, courtroom three had a bunch of what appeared to be arraignments. It was probably two dozen cases that were scheduled at the same time, 8.15 in the morning, as your wife's case was scheduled. And then before they started the arraignment hearings, like maybe about 30 minutes into them kind of cutting deals with the uh, the arraignees, they announced that if you're here for Shallon Spalding, then go downstairs to courtroom one. In your own private well, courtroom. I've Yeah. Well, that was, that was point one. I mean, I... I knew that what they were doing, they didn't want to have this in front of potentially anyone else. But then when I got down to courtroom one, which I'd never been inside before, because they probably like have family court stuff in this particular courtroom. There were like, I think literally three benches yeah. in the room. <laughs> yeah. <it was> like- <laughs> I mean, I've been in a bunch of tiny courtrooms in New Hampshire because New Hampshire is a small state. There's just not a lot uh, going on here in a lot of cases. So some of the courtrooms are really old. But this one, it's not an old court. This court building's, you know, relatively modern. But it is a small courtroom. There's plenty of room for the judge and plenty of room for uh, the attorneys. But the actual audience area was obviously cut back. And they clearly did it because they knew there was a huge crowd of people that was there for this. Because there were at least, like I said, 40 people that were there with kids. Good turnout. Yeah, a great turnout. Uh, people coming from as far away as Grafton, which is like a two-hour, you know, trip. And oh, there was people from uh, uh, northern uh, Maine, right I up by the Canadian border. I, I believe that Dylan and Shiloh. So, uh, you know, that that was an obvious move to reduce the the amount of potential seating. In fact, one of the goons in the court then used that opportunity once the people were piling in. There were literally people sitting on the floor. I think. Well, maybe not before he said something. So he he issued a threat. One of the court goons. He said, "If you're here, you've got to be in a seat. You've got or you've got to be seated, or else you're going to get thrown out. I'm going to come after you, basically." <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and Chris Wade, I think, got most of this interaction on video. So when the video comes out, we'll make sure that uh, that gets included. And so some people just sat right down, just sat on the floor. You know, people with their kids or whatever sitting on the floor. And you know, I asked the guy if he was going to arrest the children. <laughs> I <can> sit in. <laughs> That that particular guy, like you look at him, he's clearly like a very unhealthy man. Like his mm. skin skin complexion, the way he carries himself, mm-hmm. he's sort of one of these people that he appears to like me and my wife. Especially my wife's like you know, uh, you know he he just looks like the the darkness of ju- judiciary is consuming him. Mm-hmm. You know that's uh, what happens, to and and, and that's what happens with a lot of these people. Yeah. Uh, and and he 
like when the prosecutor was doing his closing statement, this guy was animated with glee. Like he was like just so happy to see that prosecutor in motion. I didn't notice mm. this, but I, I got this feedback from a couple of friends and, um, <clears throat> And, and and I I got a lot of awesome feedback because I bet. Uh, you did you great know, that way that um well just uh, notice you know, you know things and which is going to make us better you know at the next particular you know uh, court thing that we uh we have to do mm-hmm. uh, but yeah it was uh, I yeah I think it was a good experience today well with any luck this is well, another one of those things where they're going to continue to leave us alone you know those of us they know that we'll uh, come here uh, and stand up for one another and eventually they'll see that you know we should just be ignored. Right. I certainly hope so. Um, I, I don't know if we're quite there yet. Um, no, we're still being targeted. And, yeah. and, and, I, and I actually, especially after today in court, with that first particular witness being the, um, you know, uh, a career parasite. She works in the, um, uh, you know, the Merrimack County Prosecutor's Office, the Karen that, you know, started yeah. this whole deal. And by uh, yeah. com- by uh, career parasite, Jay means a person that's been working for the government probably most of their entire life. Yeah, their entire yep. At least the last twenty years, according to her LinkedIn profile, that oh. somebody found that's after uh, she took the stand. I think it would have been interesting to have that information before uh, you were able to cross-examine her. Just we were having ask. a hard time figuring out who she was. Actually, that was mm. one of the ones because you know you get the name um, and and the age. I don't think there was a, a date mm-hmm. of birth for her. But yeah, the, the, we were having a hard time, you know, figuring out because there's a lot of. Um, oh, I forget her name off the top of my head, but uh, I'll bring it up here in a second. But her name was, was, was a lot oh, of Karen. I almost said yeah. Karen. <laughs> Probably close to it. She Maybe looked, Donna. She totally looked like a, a Donna, Karen. Right. Yeah, it was a Donna. That's right. Uh, wait, did you just guess that? I, I it was kind of a guess, but maybe he told me earlier. Okay, we were talking about it in the drive-in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to comment here on whatever is on your mind, of course, you can bring it up here at 603-283-6160. We've got a lot to say about this. Um, you know, you mentioned the lawyer, and we'll get into it, because I took some notes, by the way. I was uh, doing tweeting during the trial on, yeah, that was on Mastodon. And uh, thank you very Twitter. much. I, I sent that, um, that, that tweet uh, to like a whole bunch. You know, I mean, you're, you're uh, a link to your twitter profile oh thanks and uh yeah you did a really really excellent job with well, that that was fantastic. unfortunately i forgot my video camera today oh. at home i brought my tripod i brought my backpack but the camera wasn't in it luckily chris wade also brings his camera yep. so we were good on uh on video so i had more freedom to just hammer out you know what was actually happening so people at home who couldn't make it out could still see it so this prosecutor is this real he's a young guy maybe like 30 years old uh, skinny and just dorky soy boy uh, yeah that's, that's a great way would, to, just, you know, to he, describe yeah. it and uh just a total tool of the state this guy working for the concord police prosecutor's office there's going to be some great footage coming out uh when he left the courtroom and went out to his car he was accompanied by his other buddy he had some fat prosecutor that was uh, was next that was to an him. intern oh was he yep that's ah, what they said. he seemed like an older guy but anyway, uh, he. Oh, both okay. Th- then uh, the, the intern was not an older guy, but, uh, but yeah, there was. But the guy that was with him in the courtroom that was, was the intern. Was the intern? You're okay. saying that was the. Older I felt guy? like he was a little older than the prosecutor, okay, but I, I could know. I could be wrong. Might have just been kind of he, he was you know out of shape or whatever. Yep. But uh, anyway, these two prosecutors they they leave and they've got a court security officer with them. So they were too afraid to just simply go to the parking lot by themselves, which. Almost everybody does. I've never seen someone get a court escort out of any of these trials. I've never seen the government bureaucrats 
have their own guys escort them. But that's what happened in this case. Well, and, when you're a soy boy and you know you're yeah. you're just afraid of what you don't understand. Um, and especially if you're you know a weak man that you know decides to go work. You know, right. a, a weak psychopath that's going to go, you know, work in government so you can go do your psychopath stuff. <laughs> you know? Well, he's uh, so he's obviously a friend of the state. Right. And he's oh, yeah. and he's younger. So he's, you know, public school educated. Uh, so, you know, they have a dossier or I don't know if you call it a dossier, but like what, what do they say when they've come to your place before? Like you have a compound with a. With like a watchtower or some kind of silliness. They did say compound, yeah. About right, his so, web compound so, so, so you know this guy's <laughs> lapping this stuff up, and at every point, you know, he wants <laughs> right. to show that he can, you know, he's, he's not afraid, but he is really afraid of nothing. Yeah. So they walk him out to his car, and Joa from Breaking the Flaw, who's normally here on uh, Thursday nights, he's been, I guess, moving houses and has been a little busy recently, so he hasn't been able to make it out. But uh, he was there from the trial. I think he streamed some or most of the trial, and then also he confronted this slime ball attorney breaking the flaw yeah in uh that's his channel on youtube and also odyssey he confronted this attorney when he was going out to his car i didn't see this by the way yeah it was so funny because you know he's just doing what he would normally do like how can you live with yourself (laughs) accountability yeah that's what joe pushes that kind of stuff and uh of course this guy had no answer whatsoever and, he, and then when he finally gets to his car he like is about to open the door turns to joa and says something to the effect of you know, it's a felony charge if you're recording me without my consent. <laughs> and we both just like It's completely laugh. false. A total, totally false. He has to false. know that. I, I don't know whether he knows it, but yeah, he, you would think he should know it as an attorney who brings these charges against people. Because we, as we learned uh, in the Adamo trial, if you're charged with wiretapping, and New Hampshire is one of the worst states as far as wiretapping laws. Like We like a lot of things about New Hampshire, but not the wiretapping laws. Hmm? That's not one of them. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, it's it literally is uh, maybe the worst state because here it's what they call a one party or sorry all party consent, meaning that if you're recording a conversation, everyone has to know and purportedly consent. Things get a little weird in the law about what consent means, but if you're recording a conversation to which you are not a party, meaning you're eavesdropping on on something, they don't they don't know you're listening to it. That's felony wiretapping. The other kind of wiretapping where you're party to the conversation, where you're on the phone line or you're in person having a conversation, that's misdemeanor wiretapping. So, like, he got a basic fact wrong about what he was threatening Joe with. And of course, Joe didn't put his camera away or was intimidated by this. So this guy, like, got in his car in a huff and, like, he was mad. That guy was not happy when he left that courthouse. He was scared and angry uh, when he left that courthouse and scared for no reason. Like, no one, no one threatened this guy. Well, was- he's scared and angry for coming after people for silliness, like, because ultimately the teeth in this thing is, like, this woman could could be in a cage. Yeah, there's up what? to a year in jail for this this charge. I know people keep throwing around the uh, the term six months for this, and I'm not sure where that came from. Uh, but it's a class A misdemeanor. In That's New what they are asking for the prosecution six months. Uh, in uh, six months, is this in a plea deal offer? Uh, this was a plea deal offer, suspended sentence after two years. I see. Five hundred dollar fine and a. Um, uh, ten parenting classes, right? And I get, and actually, I, I didn't look into the parenting classes, but somebody said, "Oh, I had to do those parenting classes," and it was like you know, fifteen hundred bucks for the ten parenting classes. It's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> it's just another racket in the system because the the career parasites who you know um, basically mandate that these people go do these parent uh, parenting classes, you know, are either invested in, or their sister is, or their buddy, or somebody you know in that that company that owns this, you know, that does this, these so called parenting classes. 
is um, you know either giving kickbacks or some kind of bribe to, to these to these parasites or supporting their campaign or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it's all you know all kinds of you know they're scratching each other's backs. And uh, one of the letters that was written uh, to the judge, and I don't know if, if the judge saw him, I don't know if the judge is going to, I don't even know if there was letters in the, in, in the docket. I, I meant to go check the docket uh, mm-hmm. yesterday um, just to see if there was letters in it, um, and uh, but, but I didn't. But anyways, one of the letters was uh, uh, from... Uh, uh, Jody Underwood, uh, a lot of guys, a lot of people know who she is. She's you a know. free stater, early mover, uh, great activist who was elected as a school board member up yep. in Croydon, New Hampshire. And there's been some controversy about that. Uh, she's essentially was very in- instrumental in like this New Hampshire, what they call the Croydon bill or the Croydon mm-hmm. law, where basically you can take money from the public schools and direct it sort of towards private schools mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, a lot school of, choice. A lot school of government choice. guys mad about that. Oh, one. yeah, they really hate that. Anyways, in her letter, she writes... It's ridiculous that the state is demanding that, uh, you know, Shallon um, take parenting classes. What the state should do is is uh, send people to uh, Jay and Shallon for parenting <laughs> classes because I actually do a real logistic, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, a real legit actual mm-hmm. um, skill building, confidence building, uh, competence building uh, parenting class. Uh, man camp. I mean, that's what it's about. It's, and, and, and we do it with parents and kids together so the kids can grow up to have confidence and believe in themselves and, and be strong, uh, productive members of society who, who, who have value in their community. Um, you know, the state is the exact opposite of all of that. If you want to comment, you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. We'll get into some of the things that actually happen in the courtroom here in a moment. Uh, but to this caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Hey, uh, Toby, Columbia, Toby. South Carolina. Welcome, Toby. You're on the air. What's on your mind? Um, yeah. Uh, how do you spell Jay's last name? Because I've tried to look it up before. Oh. Let me give you his website. It's jnoon.com, N-O-O-N-E, J-A-Y-N-O-O-N-E.com. It's where you can donate to Man Camp, by the way, coming up here at the uh, Porcupine Freedom Festival. I know you you said your deadline, Jay, was June 1st. Are you still accepting last-minute uh, uh, donations? I, I am. We are okay. uh, just about we, – we made it halfway to our goal of $5,000. Right. Uh, we're just a l- little over halfway. Um, already spent a bunch of money on some safety gear and some tools for uh, you know the upcoming uh, – uh, pork fast man camp and uh, yeah actually a guy actually uh text uh sent me a message on telegram he's like i don't deal with uh any digital currencies or banks um what's your address i'm gonna mail you some money I'm all like, right so sweet. I my, we'll see what happens i gave my address that's cool all right what about it caller oh hey uh that's all i'm uh i listen to y'all more more than i listen to Infowars now so thank you toby yeah, yep. thanks, man. Were you just calling to find out, Jay, how you spell his name? Yeah, I was going to tell you you're down online, but it's back up now. Oh, yeah, I noticed that just a moment ago uh, during the show. I appreciate the uh, the heads up. We'll see if we can figure out what the hell's going on there. Thanks for the call, man. Keep I appreciate it. Up, Thank you, dude. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I was actually trying to pull up the, the notes that I took, and uh, our websites were down for some reason. I don't know why, but it does look like they are indeed back. Uh, I was taking, uh, making a bunch of posts about the trial today over at our Mastodon, which is social.freetalklive.com. If you follow me on Twitter, you would have seen them there because they automatically uh, jumped over. We'll talk about more about that coming up here, but let's go to Frank in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Frank. Hey, Ian. Uh, hey. Who's on tonight? You and Jay, and is that it? 
Uh, Mushmouth Mike is here as well. Hey, Frank. Oh, okay. I'm not, I'm not familiar with Mike, but anyway, um, I got two quick top topics, if that's okay. The first yeah. one is, what's the plan for the show? Um, I mean, it looks like you're probably going to be incarcerated on your case. What's the plan for the show, um, uh, you know, when you're gone, if you could tell me? Uh, presumably to continue. I mean, we don't have any real hard and firm plans, unfortunately, right now, because obviously we don't have Aria for probably the next 18 months. She's going to be checking into a federal prison. Uh, we're still not sure exactly where, based on the plea deal that she took with the Crypto 6 case. Folks can go to thecrypto6.com to learn more about all that. And so she's got an 18-month sentence. Maybe she'll be out a little bit sooner because of good time and various programs and, and such. We still aren't, aren't sure how long exactly uh, she's going to be in, but we know what the maximum is. And uh, there's a possibility that I'll be able to stay out after sentencing pending a appeal. So, you know, I, I may not have to check in uh, immediately. It may be, you know, another year plus before the case actually gets its appeal hearing with the First Circuit Court of Appeals. I get to appeal because I went to trial. Uh, you don't get to do that if you if you take a plea deal. So that's what we're hoping for. Uh, that It seems likely, considering I've been allowed to stay out post-conviction, and normally when you get convicted, they just cart you right off to jail right then, and then you wait in uh, in a local jail before they finally will sentence you. So normally if you're out pre-sentencing, it's pretty unusual. So the fact that I'm already out pre-sentencing suggests there's a good chance the judge will continue to let me stay out uh, post-sentencing, but he could change his mind. <laughs> so Let's hope it stays that way. There's no business for yeah. you to be in a cage. Yeah, so who knows? Does that answer your question? Uh, yeah, it does uh, somewhat. Um, I wouldn't plan on being free during your appeal, however. I'm sure you're not. Um, uh, I'd be prepared to, to be incarcerated the, the date of sentencing. But, I mean, obviously you're hoping for some freedom during your appeal, but like you said, they can do whatever they want. Yeah, and um, it is very unusual to be out pending an appeal. There's no doubt about that. Uh, did you have anything yeah, I, else you wanted to share? Um, just real quick, uh, Bonnie um, called somebody stupid on the air last night, which I probably isn't a good thing for a radio host to do. Um, might want to think about that a little bit in the future. All right, thanks for the call tonight, Frank. I appreciate it. The number here is 603-283-6160. Yeah, I think I heard she got a little bit upset last night, and people are going to say things that they don't necessarily mean when they're mad about things. More coming up. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In 2022, Dash launched a killer app that allows you to spend Dash at over 155,000 locations across the United States, including major retailers and you get a discount for paying with Dash. Finally, a reason to spend your crypto. It's called Dash Direct. Get it on your Apple or Android app store. The stores on Dash Direct each offer their own discount level, but some are as high as 8 to 9% off. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. It's Free Talk Live. You can join the show if you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603 603- 
joining you here tonight, you've got Ian. Wishmouth Mike. And Jay Noon. And also want to say thanks to Scott, who's a Free Talk Live Gold level supporter of our AMPS program. Uh, Scott is uh, gold, which means he's doing $10 a month. Thank you for the support, Scott. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. That is a way for you to get directly behind what we do here on Free Talk Live and help get the word out about freedom and liberty and peace and cryptocurrency, alternatives to the violent status quo that we have. We're talking about that status quo tonight in the form of the government attack against Jay's family, uh, specifically a criminal charge being brought against his wife, Shallon, uh, for the dastardly crime, supposed crime, of leaving their then two-year-old in a car seat in a climate-controlled car on a relatively nice March day last year. Uh, that she is facing up to a year in jail. I know the prosecutors offered a six-month plea deal on that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what they're going to ask for when, if it comes to sentencing, if, if right. there is a guilty finding on this. Uh, it could be up to a year because it is what they call in New Hampshire a Class A misdemeanor. But anyway, if you want to go and help us out like Scott has done, go to amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. You can get signed up there with your debit card, credit card, your PayPal account, uh, and we definitely appreciate the support. Now, Jay, you were saying during the break, and I know you wanted to mention this on the air, that you didn't feel like what happened today could happen anywhere else besides New Hampshire. The the huge level of support that you had turn out. But what else? Well, so we have the community. So all these people come and... Filled the courtroom. Filled the courtroom. There was a bunch of moms with their kids because... Uh, and they're all, you know, fr- uh, freedom-type moms. They're all freedom-type people. Uh, actually, all of these people are, uh, you know, sort of like um, into what's called New Hampshire Health Freedom. Uh, one thing that the uh, pandemic has done is it really activated moms. Mm-hmm. I mean, moms mm-hmm. in the past couple of years have become like, you know, the the freedom fighters, the freedom pushers, because moms care about their babies. Sure. And and it, it's uh, like all, all the uh, anti-mask and mandate rallies and all this stuff. It was like half to three quarters moms all the ones i went to because the moms are just pissed and um I, I i've been calling them red pill moms uh anyways uh <clears throat> so you had all these moms there and so we had a support and then we had a whole bunch of people there like like the one one woman that was there to, that she came out to uh, lunch with us afterwards you know the shorter lady i forget her name but she used to be a dcyf social worker really that was her career Wow. And she very much is turned off by DCYF, and she had so much great knowledge. And so, like, for her, uh, another guy, Brian, was there, another guy, Ted. These guys are, like, sort of, like, practicing sort of law scholars and not really lawyers. But, like, all these guys took notes. <clears throat> and so I had a whole stack of motions that we, we were going through. Mm-hmm. So what I did last night is I made copies of a, a bunch of motions, and I just filled up three binders with all the court paperwork that we were going to hear. And I gave it to, like, this guy, Brian... Another guy, Ted, uh, I forget who, who I gave the other uh, packet to, but I'm like, hey, guys, you know, you're paying attention to this stuff. You're, you, you understand the case. Take notes for me. Take notes on these pleadings. Uh, help me out. So I got a lot of really good feedback. And we're actually next week, we're going to do We're going to do a, a, a night uh, where we study this stuff and we go over it, because uh, one of the things that we're planning on doing is an invitation only um, at first um, weekly study, like law study group. Uh, at, at an undisclosed lo- location because mm, we want to okay. keep the feds out. And um, <clears throat> it's going to be to uh, help people b- 
build their confidence for this kind of stuff. And, and this, too, needs to be part of the man camp curriculum because every adult, every everybody who's of the age of procreation needs to know how to defend themselves in court, mm. needs to know how to write lawsuits, just like they need to know how to raise their own food and, you know, take care of business and, you know, fix their own stuff. I wish it weren't that way because it's, you know, sucks to have to spend time on court things when, as you pointed out, you guys are farmers, yep. you know, you get a lot of work to do. And the Real last work. thing you want to be, yeah, the last thing you want to be doing is putting your nose to the grindstone as yep. far as f- court filings and stuff like that. I mean, it really sucks to have to learn this stuff, but you're saying you should learn it because you don't want to be defenseless when they come at you and you don't want to have to rely on on one of their attorneys. And when I say one of their attorneys, I'm referring to the fact that all attorneys, as nice as they may be or as talented as they may may be or as freedom-friendly as they may be, they are all court officers. They are all swearing an allegiance to the court system in order to become attorneys in the first place. And the Bar Association. Erwin Rommel School of Law was a thing that my dad studied years ago, like back in the 80s when he was facing, uh, you know, federal charges. He was facing, Mm -hmm. my father was facing 15 years in a can when I was like eight years old uh, over something he had actually nothing to do with whatsoever. It was something that his brother had done, my Mm -hmm. uh, my uncle. Anyways, um, so like uh, he did Erwin Rommel School of Law course and study and what they said was that the courtroom's a battlefield the prosecutor's your enemy the judge is your enemy and your attorney is an enemy spy Hmm. and uh, that was the way they put it because the attorney's allegiance is to the bar association is to the court Uh, this is why uh, one of the reasons we didn't have an attorney because all the attorneys i talked to are like i'm not going to challenge the jurisdiction of the court i could possibly lose my license right um, and so that's one of the you know biggest things we push. But anyways, back to uh, New Hampshire. So we got the community. We got people that moved here intentionally for this kind of stuff mm-hmm. to support people like me, to support people like you, to support pe- uh, uh, freedom in general. They picked up their lives and they moved here. So if you can pick up your life and move to New Hampshire, well, it's pretty easy to just drive, you know, 15 minutes or maybe two hours to the courthouse to go support somebody yep. if you already moved here, say from California, for example. Um, the other thing that's unique about uh, Manchester, um, um, New Hampshire with this particular charge, mist- a class A misdemeanor, um, which is, you know, like you said, up to one year in prison and I think up to a $2,000 fine. But what's cool about it is you get a bench trial mm-hmm. in front of a judge and then if you get convicted you can appeal the bench trial and the case starts totally over again yeah it's called a de novo trial i uh wish that the federal system had that right <laughs> so 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 what's really cool about a de novo trial is you try over again so today you get to see all the evidence a second time today's thing was like an excellent practice for that's us. all it was yeah and right. Uh, it took me a little. It's a practice you could win if it, you get a not guilty. Then right, done. I mean, so so actually, the very first meeting that we're gonna have is we're gonna have people that are gonna we're gonna do a whole role play script where they bring forth the witnesses mm-hmm. and we have people in the courtroom that are gonna come to our law meeting and one of them is gonna be, for example, you know, um, the Darna Donna Parente, you know, the uh, career parasite Karen who, um, you know, basically reported this. and I, Snitched. Uh, well, and I believe it was because uh, my wife's car had a, a, a Health Freedom New Hampshire sticker on and a Montana mm. plate that said free. Because basically, if if you're on the soil we call New Hampshire and you're running Montana plates, you're a free stater. <laughs> it's a good chance of it, yeah. <laughs> and actually, that's not really even true anymore because 
uh, I was uh, in a, where was I the other day? I was actually, I was in Massachusetts. Uh, I brought a load of cows down there and we stopped at a place and uh, a guy says uh, something, the truck I had has got a Montana plate on. He goes, oh, he goes, you're not from Montana, are you? I go, no. He goes, me either. But he goes, boy, I love that permanent registration. Yeah. And this was down in Massachusetts because, and, and the thing is too, is that's a service. Yeah, it is. Uh, for example, uh, you know, from uh, the state and the state being this, you know, legal fiction, selling these plates to people. And it has been ruled time and time again in court and it's gone to federal court that anyone, nobody can be forced to buy uh, essentially license plates and registration from a particular jurisdiction. Because mm-hmm. that would be considered a monopoly. So, anyways, it's pretty good case law, and 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 uh, I challenged that a lot in Massachusetts years ago because I ran New Hampshire plates and I ran, um, you know, uh, 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 Maine trailer plates, and I, mm-hmm. I never had anything registered in Mass ever. And, you know, I lived there for yeah. you know until I was thirty five years old, and they tried so many times coming after me against that, and we would just it got you know basically dismissed very quick because there's huh. so much court precedence on this. Anyways, <clears throat> um, going back to that, so. Um, a uh, bench trial because we get the jury trial as as, as a, basically a fallback on right. You, you, so you get to build the confidence, you get to increase your competence, and you get to see their whole case being in the courtroom. <laughs> so they the have to put th- on all their witnesses, ask all the questions, right. go through the, all the motions, show all the evidence, and so then you you know if you made some mistakes, you get to correct those mistakes so, next so time can, around. Can you imagine playing the um you know the uh, the football game, getting a do over again on a football game, yeah. right? That you lost, and now you, you know how the other team works. You know what they're going to bring out. That's sweet. And there's like so many more like things now. We know what we need to cover. Mm-hmm. You know, so so we have a really good game plan, and we're going to practice the game plan. Uh, uh, just just because, like I said to my wife, I go, hey, two days a week, find a babysitter. I told her a few weeks. You know, for the next eight weeks, she goes, well, w- what if we uh, win the court case? I go, it doesn't matter. After. Uh, if we win the court case, we lose the court case, we're still going to do the same thing. We're mm-hmm. going to do a weekly study with our friends. So those people, that courtroom jam-packed with people, I have tons of volunteers who want to come to like this, you know, these legal group meetings, and they're going to act this all out so we can do this. And what we really want to do is invite mothers to this because mothers are very, very concerned about this particular situation. A child endangerment thing is just like a catch-all they can throw at anybody. And 99% of the people are just going to give up. Uh, sure, they're just going to go get expect. an attorney. They're just going to do a plea bargain. They're just going to they're just going to contract with with a uh, division of child, youth, and families who are basically a bunch of professional um, child traffickers. And they, um, you know, they, they, in New Hampshire, they've they've paid out well over a hundred million dollars in settlements. Um, it's actually probably close to two hundred million dollars in settlements now with mm. uh, all the people who the have Sununu Rape Center, the Sununu Rape Center, where they've been raping children for years. Yeah, um, and uh, so. Uh, so, so anyways, you, you know, that's cool. We got the community. The community is the foundation of everything. And, and the community, uh, gave, uh, Shallon and I a lot of confidence where everybody's like, yeah, you go get them. We're going to help you out. People mm-hmm. have all kinds of ideas. The other thing that we got to do that's pretty unique in New Hampshire. You could never do this in Massachusetts. I don't really? know. I don't know about anywhere else, but you definitely couldn't do this in Massachusetts is I was able to literally be my wife's, uh, like an attorney. Right. Uh, I, 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 and I didn't. I said, I'm not representing my wife because the word represent means represent. And my wife is like a very nervous public speaker. I mean, she couldn't even, you know, get through her speech at our wedding, you know, in front of a, you know, a whole bunch of people who love her and are very friendly. Never mind. Yeah, it's nerve wracking. Never mind, you know, trying to 
explain something and, and, and public speak in front of a whole bunch of people who literally want to put you in prison. Right. And um, you're up against this guy who's a professional whose job right. it is there to destroy you, basically. This, the pressure's really on uh, in a situation and, like and, this. And if you want to look at, like, you know, the value in dollars of, like, uh, you know, my net worth in dollars, let's just say dollars, versus the education cost that these lawyers have, they're... they're, they're their, oh, yeah. uh, their law school probably costs more than if you took my net worth and added it up. Half a million dollars sure. a piece or something. Which they're right. probably still paying on. Which they're yeah. probably still paying on. Now, I, that's in dollars, but I know that my value as a man in, in, in our community, uh, as a father, as an influencer, as you know, someone who wants to make the community, uh, is a million times the value of, 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 of that prosecutor to society. Because that prosecutor does nothing. To uh to promote society, he is just a parasite. All the all these guys do is yep. steal with paper and pen. Um, and anyways, so getting back to why New Hampshire is so awesome is we could do the I think they call it an, a, an attorney in fact. Correct. So yep. all I did was have to go literally fill out a form. It was probably the shortest government form I ever filled out <laughs> in my life. And uh and and it, and it was simple. It was like yeah, I just put my name on there. I put my wife's name. I put the case. And we did that. Another really cool thing. Before you go on about that, though, uh, this particular judge seemed to be giving you guys more leeway than I expected from a typical judge. And I wondered if that somebody said he apparently is a new judge who came out of the uh, not the prosecutor's office where most judges come from, but he was with the public defender's office. So he's actually seen the other side of defending people who are being you know wrongfully prosecuted so i feel like he definitely was more helpful than the typical judge would be there were certain times where he literally held your hand and gave you direct suggestions yep. he was as really to good how to how to phrase questions and things like that yep. and no judge is obligated to to do that level of, a, of assistance for you know pro se uh litigation and uh, i've seen at least two other judges the same way uh, yeah my wife had it's not one unheard for of. her her, her uh, uh what's a dog license thing and yep i remember mikey that. had one for uh his uh you know uh motorcycle chase they thing. tend the to Dutch be more helped, helped uh, a lot yeah they tend to be more helpful towards uh people who aren't lawyers that much is definitely sure. true this guy seemed to be bending over backwards we're a level. long way from burke though yeah you're talking about the old keen yes judge. um but you know some judges might have said well, Mr. Noon, I see that you uh, want to, you know, represent your wife here or act as her attorney. In fact, but you would have had to file that motion two weeks ago. I'm sorry, it's just too late. We're going to move forward. And then he he said, "No, it's fine. You can just go out, fill out this one piece of paper. I'll take a recess, and then we'll we'll move forward." So I was really surprised that he just let that happen the way that it did, and and he didn't like make you put a suit on because they can do that if they want to. They can say, "Well, look, now that you're an attorney, because you have to, you are the attorney. In fact, meaning that you then have to follow all the attorney rules, which includes like a certain dress code yep. and things like that." I so, wore my best shoes. I wore my. I literally wore <laughs> they my had best the duct shoes. tape on them. No, I, those shoes totally <laughs> fell apart the other day. Day. and i i i haven't had, I, got, I haven't had time to go buy a pair of shoes no. i literally have been like non-stop you know 16 to 18 hours a day just yeah. at it doing something in fact i didn't go to sleep last night oh, yeah you're man. preparing man they're coming I, after I was your preparing. wife we were working on this paperwork I, I call it grinding so as a metal fabricator you know you might do like on, on on a project that's a 30 to 40 hour project you might do like maybe three hours of actual welding but you will do 25 to 
you know, the rest of the hours is grinding, Mm -hmm. you know, making it smooth, make, you know, polishing it down. So I was grinding on paperwork. That's what I call it. And not, not grinding like in an, in, you know, in a nightclub grinding, like, you know, uh, a roughneck in an oil field. Yeah. So this guy is still there to carry water for the state. That's obviously his job. That's who pays him. That's where he gets his paychecks from. So he still denied all your motions and was still ruling, you know, in favor of the state here and there, but he actually gave you some of the objections as well. so So he read all the motions. Yeah. Uh, which he said he did, and he denied him, and I yep. objected to it. So all of this stuff is preserved for appeal because I actually have some pretty strong motions. Yeah, some of them weren't filed in time. You know, a bunch of them I filed yesterday. Right. But here's I'm going to read a little bit of one of my a motion for more definite statement, just a, right. one paragraph. The alleged defendant is not a trained or licensed attorney, nor a member of the American Bar Association, nor a member of any subsidiary bar association. As this special pleading must be held to less stringent standards than formal pleading, pleadings written by lawyers. And that's Haynes versus Kerner, 404 U.S., if anybody mm-hmm. wants to look that up. So when you put uh, pleadings into the court that have this kind of language, um, these guys know they can't hold you to this. And you're informing them that they can't hold you to these you know, um, <clears throat> particular uh, levels of, of an attorney. And, uh, so, and, and yeah, like there was a couple of things that like, I did not know what I was talking about mm-hmm. and that judge was fantastic, but, and, 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 you know, kudos to him. He was like, well, well sir, if you want to um, explain this, here is an example. And he talked about, and this was by the way, after you asked him to recuse himself. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And that's another thing too. So asking him to recuse himself, you're like, I was a little concerned about that because yeah. you might just really, you know, take it personal, upset the guy. Yeah. And, and and I think he wanted to prove that he was like honorable. Mm. I and, and in fact, I didn't call him your honor once. I usually don't. And do I that, never do it uh, because yeah, I feel it's like you know bowing down to their you know. Yeah, it's a ti- it's a high title, but and we're all we're all men, we're all equal. I think the guy was honorable. Mm. I well, really in do. This, in a you know, in an idea like if this were a good thing where we needed where we did have these judges and they were moral. Wouldn't it make sense that they would want to prove to us that they were so, honorable? Yeah, so sure. so if the purpose of government is to maintain and protect the rights of the individual, that's the only reason government exists in the United States of America. So they claim. Well, that's what all their documents true. say, all their founding stuff, all the constitutions that these guys allegedly have an oath to. And he did have an actual updated oath of office, and mm-hmm. you know that was checked out. Uh, so one thing in Massachusetts, we could never get the oaths for any of the judges. Hmm. And then when we finally uh, really pushed them hard... Um, the oaths are held in the uh, Massachusetts Supreme Court, which in Boston, which is called the John Adams Building. So we got certified copies of the oath cards. None of them have a signature. Huh. And there's like a Massachusetts wow. statute, MGL Chapter 238, Section, I forget, whatever. And it clearly says all oaths must be signed or subscribed before they can hold their position. And um, it's not, you know, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm, of course. So the other thing, too, that happened in this case that was very unique uh, the second thing I don't think could have happened anywhere else is two of my friends were able to sit on my side of the bar. Yeah, I was surprised by that, too. So my friend Colin Gibson, um, who uh, Colin's going to come do the show someday. He's, mm-hmm. he's he's an interesting character. If you guys want to learn a little bit about Colin, just Internet search freedomsphoenix.com, Colin Gibson. And he did a really good interview with Ernie Hancock mm. a few years ago. And Colin's a real smart dude. Yeah, sure. And the thing is, nobody thinks Colin's smart because he's a goofy guy. And he's he's a always smart cracking dude. jokes. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He, he's like a teenager, but he's a super smart dude. And then my other friend Christopher Gronsky, who I've talked about quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, uh, are we're, we're, 
were, were very handy in helping me. And and the uh, prosecutor was not happy those no. two guys were there. Oh, he objected and, to it. And 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 the judge was like, well, and and, and I explained to the judge, I actually, uh, I I have, I, I one of the motions we never even touched, and I totally forgot about it because I I just didn't have it in front of me. Mm-hmm. Was uh, uh, I I did file a motion last week or the week before about um, a motion to um, uh, to to counsel at my election and I get into this, the court rulings how you know lo- a, a counsel does not have to be a, a lawyer or an attorney mm-hmm. when the founders wrote the constitution um in even the constitution for New Hampshire the constitution for the United States of America both say um that you have election at your of counsel at your choice to use the word counsel counsel is a generic wor- uh, term counsel can be your mom your friend your you know your pastor wh- whoever you want it to be it does not have to be a member of the bar association and they know this, but they really try hard pushing that. So I believe because I put that in, in the pleadings also was another reason because I said, these guys are my assistants of counsel. We need help. I said, I'm a farmer. I need help from friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so the fact that we have that quality of people here for this free state project, um, like Colin and Christopher, they both moved here for this intentional. Actually, I believe uh, you know, Christopher moved from, from up Washington are out west somewhere, but uh, they moved here intentionally for this. So that was great. The other thing that and was... And by the way... The, okay, go ahead. What was unusual to me about that was how many people they allowed sort of behind the bar on your side. Normally, you can have one person sitting up at the table with you. It's not a problem. You know, if you were sitting... If you weren't rep, uh, acting as the attorney, in fact, for your wife, you still would have been able to sit there. You still would have been able to confer with her as yep. her counsel, but you wouldn't have been quote-unquote representing her. Uh, and so that's always been something that's been allowed, and it doesn't have to be somebody you're related to. It can be a good friend of yours or whatever. But if they want to take the next step, they can do what you talked about earlier is become the attorney in fact and then actually be the attorney for you. And anybody who's of good character, quote unquote, can do that. And one of the reasons why I was surprised they allowed it today is because they usually have to like do some background yep. checks. In fact, the prosecution noted that uh, when he objected to it, saying, well, we haven't had a chance to do a background check on Mr. Noon, but well, we're just we'll let it happen. Um, what would so- they be looking for? criminal record something that would show that you're not a good character you gotta uh so there was like three things to check off on there that you haven't been convicted of a felony Mm. um that you haven't been basically kicked out of a courtroom or something Mm. that's not that's not the terminology but basically you haven't been barred actually that was one of the things you haven't been barred from being like the attorney effect i believe was i see sort of how it word and there was one more like thing you had to check off. The There's box. another requirement that you can't do it more than like six times in a year. I think, okay. if I recall that correctly, it's been a while since I've I've seen the requirements. But yeah, as long as you meet those uh, requirements and you're willing to sign off and follow the attorney rules, then you can. You I was can a little do that. nervous about the attorney rules because he's like, you're going to be held to the same standards as an attorney, you and gotta, then he didn't hold you to the standards. You got to follow the rules. Well, he well he provided good guidelines. Yeah. So when I started going outside the rules, he just corrected me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was like, the guy's just doing his job. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I was, uh, that that was pretty cool, I thought. And, right. and, and, and he basically pretty much acted the way um, within his guidelines and, so, and pretty much within the scope of his uh, duty, even though I, you know, wasn't happy that he dismissed all these things and he pushed the trial right to that day. Yeah. But also it wasn't like it was the last, you know, hurrah. We still could have a whole nother trial going forward because one right. of the motions i did was uh you know i, I to, to secure my our, our right to a trial by judgment of our peers 
Yeah, exactly. So the fact that he let you have two other guys back you up in the court, and as he said, he's fine with them whispering in your ear during the trial, and he almost used the justification for it as the fact that the courtroom was full. Like, well, we got to have a seat somewhere, so they might as well just sit up here. He actually used that <laughs> yeah, as, yeah. as uh, sort of an excuse to allow that. So, yeah, you're right. There was definitely a lot of leeway uh, given today, and you you think that none of these things, or you know, certainly not all of these things combined, could have happened anywhere here except for here in New Hampshire. Yeah, that's my opinion. That's a great point. Uh, we got more coming up here. We can talk actually about what transpired at the trial because yep. I don't think we've really uh, broached that subject. And if you want to weigh in, you can join the show. You can bring up absolutely anything that's on your mind. I have no idea what's in the news today because, like, I was at this trial and it went this for a little while. This was in the news. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I should be in the news. It was in the news. There's more coming up. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Phones are open if you want to join the show. The number is 603-283-6160. We're going to get a little bit deeper into what transpired today at the Concord District Court in New Hampshire's capital, uh, where Jay Noon was... Not representing, as he would he would say, but uh, acting as attorney for his own wife, Shallon, who is being charged with the fallacious nonsense charge of child endangerment. And we'll get into some more of the details on that coming up here. Uh, joining you in the studio here tonight, it's Ian. Mush Mouth Mike. And Jay. We're going to go to your phone calls and thoughts first, though. We have Ricky to start things out in hour number two uh, in uh, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Go ahead, Ricky. Thank you there, Brother Ian, Brother Jay, Brother Mike. Good evening. What's on your mind? Well, uh, when I was campaigning, running for office in 2017, I was the Confederate Democrat, and I did run around everywhere I went wearing the Southern Cross wrapped around me because the keystone of my campaign, I had a lot of things, but the keystone was secession. That being said, I did at the time write a comprehensive post-secession plan for Pennsylvania. Don't remember most of it, but one thing I do remember, and that's police reform. And I wanted to throw that at you. Now, this is for Pennsylvania's demographic. I don't believe this would work really anywhere else, most likely. But here's how it went, Brother Ian. Hmm. Uh, Now, the first thing I would do and I would push for as representative was I would eliminate 80, if possible, 90% of local police, 
Uh, you would need a little bit for places like Philadelphia. I mean, it's just impossible. You would really need that. But that is okay. Fine. When you say local police, do you mean city or town police or? Um, well, see, that's the thing. Not to get ahead of ourselves, the town's a big part of that. Or county? Do you guys have county sheriffs there? Yes, yes, yes. But Ian, don't get ahead of me. There, that's part of it too. Okay, but you're saying to okay. get rid of those guys. Local police, local police. So keep the county you know. sheriffs, but get rid of the t- the yeah, town. Uh, yes, absolutely. But let me let me say this in comprehension. Okay. What about so the? St- hold on, just trying to understand what you're saying. What about the state police? Keep them too. I'm getting to that, Ian. <laughs> okay. Ian, is it your plan or mine? I'm just asking you questions, man. That's all. I'm getting to it, Ian. Right, let's hear I got it. it. Okay. So I get rid of eighty to ninety percent, if possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what I would then do. Okay, now Pennsylvania is mostly rural. Unfortunately, the Pennsylvania troopers, they are an elite force, but they get used in most areas all over the place for BS stuff, the stupidest things. They should be reserved for like murders and things like that. But here's what I would do. So they would stay intact, all of them. But here's what I would do. Now with the county sheriff, now that would stay the same for the county, but what I would do is I would have more deputies. Now, unlike now where they do paperwork and crap like that, Mm -hmm. what I would have the deputies have is more authority, not as much as the sheriff, but more authority. That way, if you get a bad sheriff, the deputies would take care of it. But here's the key. This is something that would work in Pennsylvania. Every single town would have a town marshal with several deputies. You know, and that that way would be specific to the town. Okay, so you want to get rid of the local police and then create new local police? Well, it's like the old days, like you'd have in the Old West. Every town had a marshal. And the reason why is because county and town would not coincide or override one another. You have town matters and county matters. They would not override each other. Question, Ricky. You know, and that, you see what I'm saying? So that way you would Jay have... said he has a question, Ricky. Yes. Uh, would these new police, like the town marshal, would they have qualified immunity like the uh, current ones do? Of course not. You got to understand, this would be like in the Old West. So that they would, would be, be accountable. Somebody elected by the town, you know? It would be one of them. And it's not like they get paid. They do it for free, you know? Well, and you can't so expect anyone deputy. to work for free. Um, but well, That was my I question. Mean, How are you going to pay for it? That would, that's what, uh, that, that's always the question. Sure, sure. You know how are you going to pay for it? Is it voluntary or is it uh, pay me or else? Well, I mean, as far as the town marshal, in the case of that, just like in the old west, they would have other incomes. They're being town marshal because they want to be, and they're elected by the people as such. Okay. So you're so saying this would be a part time job that they would? Well, is it'd a, be a well, you know, a volunteer Huh? They would live in the town. They're there all the time anyway. Well, but, but wait a minute. You're saying this is a full-time job they're not going to get paid for? Well, I don't know. Why would they have to be? Well, Most people want to put food on the table back, at the end of the so, day. So back in Wyatt that day. Earp, wait a minute. Wyatt Earp and his brothers in Tombstone, they didn't get paid to be marshals. They also didn't pay property tax. Hmm. They didn't pay income tax. They didn't pay 
you know, sales. But you got to remember, it's obsession. We wouldn't have all of that. You got to remember that. That, Most of that's gone. It's a good idea. Well, not necessarily. I I mean, I I like the idea of a secession where it also eliminates all state taxes, but that's usually not going to be on the table when you uh, actually have secession. Like when Great Britain seceded from actually. The answer, the answer we discussed, Ian, and that would be, you know, the people would agree, like, okay, like you would have any referendum. We would say put in a small percentage, what, say 2% or something like that, to cover costs. Now, if they can't do it at a period of time, say they run in trouble, it'd be just like I'm an amplifier. If I can't do it, I can't do it right now, but I'll get back to it. You won't be penalized, and there'd be enough to pay for things. So you're talking about voluntarily paying. You're talking about voluntary payments for this system you're proposing. Right, and even and even if you couldn't make it, it's not going to be penalized because people would want to be part of it. They, it's a Pennsylvania is very good that way at helping other people. Okay, so be a part of things. So then there would be no necessarily prohibition on say a different guy becoming a deputy or whatever or sheriff or whatever terminology we're using uh, here, and his group of friends offering similar services. As a competition to the the guys you were first talking about, cooperative protection services. You mean in the same town? Yeah, same town. Well, uh, if you had say somebody that became marshal and that turned bad, it could happen. Now the deputies are not taking care of that. Well, then I would say that's perfectly fine, and that's the way they would do things back in the old west. It'd get taken care of one way or the other, hopefully peacefully. As long as it's voluntary, Ricky, I think that's uh, that's fine. Do you guys have any other questions? Now, about that this? wouldn't work everywhere, but like I said, the demographic of Pennsylvania would. And one thing about the troopers, a lot of people don't understand them, but I, I'm going to talk about them more at length in the future. See, now but I think that's, a, that's a police agency you could easily just get rid of. I mean, they, all, they do, all they do around here is hand out speeding tickets and you bust people for drugs. Hold on. Huh? There's a difference between the Pennsylvania troopers and state police in New Hampshire. They're oh, older sure. than the state police. They're old. They're 200 some odd years old, Ian. So? They're still revenue well, collection agents. Yeah. yeah they're ruining you know people's what? lives. They're putting peaceful people behind bars. And, you know, I'm not in favor of government police because I don't believe in violent monopolies. But if we're talking about cutting cops in the government system, then you cut the top layer off before you cut the the lower layer because they're less accountable at the state level. One thing you don't realize, they inherited being called the state police. They were around way before that existed. Okay. As long as they're ruining people's lives, I don't care what they're calling themselves. Well, I mean, in all honesty... I see more problems. Uh, there's a pr- certain regional uh, police department. I don't want to say that because I want my location named. But they, it's like they're all bad. The guys with the silver shields. Hmm. When it comes to the troopers, in all honesty, if they are not the problem, that others are the problem. Yeah, well, okay? I'll take it's, your word for it. But I, I, do agree. I do different. agree with Ricky a little bit, only because I actually have had some interactions with uh, Pennsylvania state uh, uh, state troopers. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> this was in 2003. I had bought a trailer down in Maryland and I was driving it home and all the tires sucked on it. Mm. Had no weight on it or nothing. I blew the two tires on the one side of the trailer and it's basically like dragging Jeez. against the ground. I had like no spare. And this cop, he's, he, he's like, <clears throat> and like only one light was working on the back of the trailer and I had a couple of triangles set up <clears throat> and it was like this little carnival type trailer I mm-hmm. bought. 
and I should have never bought thing. It turned into a whole disaster. But you know, you learn. Anyways, he's like, he's like, ah, there's a tire shop, you know, uh, off the next exit. He goes, he goes, uh, let's throw those rims in the back of the cruiser. We'll, nice. we'll take a ride down there. He gives me a ride to the tire wow. shop. That, that is True exactly public what servant. he knew because they're Pennsylvanian. And and, and the guy and at the tire shop, he drops me off at the tire shop. He's like, I can't hang out here. He goes. He goes and he and he, he goes have Joe call me or whatever Frank whatever the guy uh-huh. he knew the guy at tire yep, shop right. so so as tires are done guy calls him cop shows up like 15 minutes later he's like you mind taking a little detour we're gonna go 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 to um, they just opened up a some kind of coffee joint around there and he's like he's like he's like they give give us free free coffee and 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 whatever order whatever you want off the menu so I get some kind of coffee and like a breakfast sandwich and they didn't charge us for it and Bizarre. the dude was so awesome and he was just like we were talking about horses and hay and whatever wow. and you know he was just a he was a great guy That's and, so and helped rare. me out one like so much I'll say, one key I'll say to them right off if you give them respect They'll give it to you back. If you're going to be a jackass with them and also not know the law, they're going to be a jackass back. That's how they operate. That's really the key to dealing with the troopers. I'll tell you, I've had in my life many, 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 many police encounters and experiences. And I must say, because I used to be a hay dealer and a horse trader Mm -hmm. and, you know, running, you know, horses and hay uh, up from Canada to Massachusetts, New York, Pennsylvania. Uh, I used to drive back and forth to Colorado all the time, um, and I would say ninety percent of my police interactions were positive. It, j- just well, like I'm, my local, you know, Hanneker Town Police. All my police interactions, those guys have been positive. Thanks, Ricky, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Let's continue here, caller. You're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Rob, Tennessee. Rob, welcome, sir. What's on your mind tonight? Crypto question. What right. can you tell me about the platform called Coin Falcon? Coin Falcon? Uh, I'm looking over you, Mushmouth Mike. I mean, just stick with Bitcoin. Well, what is what is it? Save your brains. I don't know. When you say- I quit trying to chase all these different things years ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could go go insane trying to keep up with all the new crypto coins that pop up. Monero and Bitcoin. I don't know anything else it's you're doing it at your own uh, at your own mental peril. It's, it's a platform for trading. All right. Okay. So it's like an exchange. Well, so here's how you know if the platform is worth its salt, whether or not it is custodial and or they would let you hold your own funds. Yeah. Okay. So while you're trading. It looks like uh, just another crypto exchange. I mean, I, I've never heard of them. I don't know, you know what their reputation is. Why, why do you bring this particular one up? What caught your attention about well, it? Well, a friend of mine is using it and doing short trades uh-huh. and doing, doing very well. Do you have any you history know, like, in doing this sort of thing? Well, I've done some of it, yes. Uh, you know, it's 30, 60-second, two-minute trade period. Yeah, do they require your information to sign up? Like, do you have to give them your driver's license and tie it to your bank account, all the other kind of uh, all that sort no, of nonsense? No, bank account only that you can make deposit because I've withdrawn my initial investment. So uh, I put in some money, I traded and doubled it, and then I pulled out what I uh, – what I what yeah. I started with. I just want to um, give people a warning about this. Uh, this day trading stuff is high risk. This right. is stuff that you know. Even if you quote unquote know what you're doing, you can still lose your butt on doing this stuff. So if you're going to get right. into it, uh, if I were you, I would only consider it something you do as a hobby that you expect to lose all the money that you <laughs> that you put right. into That's it. That's right. No, I yeah. do. I have that mindset. Okay. Well, I hope uh, you, so because I, I've gotten back 
I've gotten back what I've put in it. Good. So you know, have a have a have a like a gamble pile, right? Mm-hmm. And then have yeah. if you're gonna, you know, Bitcoin is a lifeboat. That's the way I look at it. It's all speculative right, right now. Very few people actually use it for transacting, unless you're in New Hampshire. But most of the world, <laughs> you know, they're still sort of guessing what this thing is and trying to figure it out. But you know, right. if, if you got grandkids or other kids or other things that uh, you can give your attention to, just you know, buy a little crypto, you know, stick it in a hardware wallet and uh, just and go, I do, I, go I fishing or something. I give them money to go into Bitcoin. All right, so I'm so, gonna. Uh, luck. I, I again, I don't know what the legitimacy of this particular website is. I will tell you this: uh, there is a red flag for me on this one, and that is that it, according to CoinGecko.com has all of $18.04 in 24-hour trading volume. Right. So that means that there's not a lot of people doing any trading on this particular website. So if you have if you say you've doubled your money, I have yes. to ask, have you withdrawn the funds from the website? Yes. Okay. You, yes. you were successfully That's what I was telling you earlier. Okay. I took out what I put in. Okay. All right, so, as long as you were, as long as they let you actually withdraw the funds, then you know that there's at least something real that was there. Yeah. So if you're gonna no, if you're gonna I, gamble, you could use like uh, Kraken. You know they're they're pretty reputable. They have somewhat of a liber, yeah, somewhat of a liberty leaning CEO. Yep, I mean they still true. still they okay. still do the regulatory hoops, but they're very well established and they have outlets on there for you to gamble to. Yeah, spell, spell that for me. Kraken, like K R A K E N dot com. Okay, dot com, with a K. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Very All good. Right, thanks so much. Good luck out there, man. It. Thanks. Uh, luck, thanks yes, for sir. the call tonight. Uh yeah, twenty four hour trading volume eighteen dollars. That's that's one of the it, smallest it, exchanges. It could be so new that it's not could being be. updated because could those be. people from that exchange have to go on and do the uh, make sure all the APIs work with CoinGecko. Yeah, but maybe yeah, it's broken. I don't I, know. I, but it, you're, if he's calling about it, it shouldn't say broken. There should show lots of volume there. Yep. So uh, be, buyer beware <laughs> when it comes to these things. If you're going to get into uh, you know doing day trading on anything, uh, stocks, cryptos, very very high risk. You could lose your ass. So yeah, I mean, aware. just look at the dollar cost average on Bitcoin. You know, if you have the time and effort to sit in front of a screen and research all this crap for these different things, yeah, you mm-hmm. could make a lot of money. But uh, in my you could own, also lose a lot of money. In my own personal experience, at the peril of my own mind, I've wasted lots of time and effort thinking I knew better than the next guy. Mm-hmm. And Think uh, you could beat I, the market. I would have been much better <laughs> off just uh, putting the Bitcoin on yep. a hardware wallet and, and going outside there. and playing, climb right. a tree or yeah. something. <laughs> That's good advice. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. So we're going to get back into the case. Uh, Jay, you and your wife, Shallon, were in court today at Concord District Court in New Hampshire. Packed courtroom, uh, which they seemed to purposely move to the smallest courtroom in the building. But I think you would have filled the seats if we'd been in the oh, larger sure. uh, courtroom, but they didn't allow that. And uh, so they started this case, which was a child endangerment charge, I believe one count. Yep. I heard a rumor they'd added some charges, but apparently that wasn't the case. Yep. Uh, so one count of so-called child endangerment and a potential of up to a year in jail on this one particular count because it was charged as what they call a class A misdemeanor, which is unusual because normally, you know, at least with the activists like uh, Footloose was there, a guy that we've seen in this particular courthouse many times do various different uh, trials. He's really entertaining. If you haven't seen him, his work, go to freekeen.com and just search for Footloose. You'll find all kinds of wild videos of him in court. But, you know, whenever they come at him with some trumped up charge, they always charge it as a class B. 
And the reason they do that is because it cuts you out of that deal you were talking about earlier where on the Class A, you get the option to do a redo. You, right. you get the, the option to do what they call de novo trial, where you go in front of a bench trial, you go in front of a judge. If the judge finds you guilty, you can say, I'm appealing, de novo, we're trying this over, and then they go to a jury on that. But you don't get a jury on a Class B charge. You also aren't facing up to a year in jail on a Class B. You're just facing a fine uh, in that particular case. So that's a way for them to cut out the jury option completely. And so your peers, quote unquote, don't get a chance to uh, to hear any cases at Class B. So that's why I was surprised that they came at her full on with a Class A uh, charge on this because you know she does have the chance if she's found guilty to uh, to appeal this. Anyway, they uh, they called up their first witness, a woman named Donna Barnett, and she, interestingly enough, turned out was a and is a government bureaucrat. This is the woman who called the police. When she claims that she and her husband pulled up in the TJ Maxx parking lot next to your wife's car that was you know, apparently running at the time, and they say that they noticed that the car was running, they looked inside and they saw uh, your two-year-old, I believe, daughter that was in the yep. car at the time, ostensibly in her car seat in the back, and they said they were worried because her husband got, got called up after her, Mark Barnett. She says she was worried, and they sat there and they waited for 30 to 35 minutes to see if uh, Shallon would come back out. They claim she didn't, so they called the police. I got two kids. If I come up and your kid looks like it's, I'm going to tell you, I don't care who you are. If I come up to your car and it looks like there's some child in there and it's uh, being distressed, I'm not waiting for the cops to show up. I'm going to bust your window and I'm going to get the kid out. So well, obviously there was, you know, there was, it's BS. They, they, well, it wasn't they were, distressed, and she well, didn't even testify not. it was distressed, I don't think. I think she's testified the child was asleep, if I recall correctly. Right, right, right. Uh, and that the child didn't wake up until the cop came and knocked on the window, which woke the child up. And became distressed, likely. Yes, it at was. At that point. Yeah, yeah apparently. Right, right in, a police, a pirate. in the police narrative. Actually, the police officer that knocked on the window, um, uh, Justin uh Galico or uh, Galicho, um, <clears throat> he wasn't there to testify. They didn't today, call him, no. But he was also the uh, police officer who issued the warrant. I, I still don't. The, the, there's definitely some questions with this warrant thing. Hmm. Um, the, the, there's some fishy stuff going on. Uh, one thing that will be really good uh, if we have to go to a second trial is I get to ask for very specific and detailed discovery. Well in advance. And we're going to have hearings on this discovery because these guys are going to provide me with call logs of phone calls of of, of, of uh, all the police departments. They're going to provide me with every oh, yeah. transmission. Um, that sounds expensive. Yes. Yeah, so, well, I my, my discovery list is going to be like a four-page list of discovery, and we're going to go to battle on it. Uh, Not to mention your time. Like, you're pretty expensive too, I'm right? 50, What's your hourly rate? $50,000 an hour is what mm-hmm. I told them my fee schedule. What are you up to? Oh, uh, we're up to millions of dollars with these guys. <laughs> these guys have took a lot of my time. They took my wife's time, and they took my child's time. You know, what's my three-year-old daughter's time worth? Mm-hmm. You know, not being, not doing stuff with her mom and dad. Right. Like, you know, I am. You know, my biggest fan is my is my kids. I mean, they just love me more than anything, and you know, and they love all the activities we do. You know, farming, feeding cows, feeding chickens, feeding pigs. I mean. We, I, I actually made a, took a bunch of video the other day. We had the pig roast, so uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, last weekend because uh, it was delayed. We do an annual uh, pig roast uh, every spring, and at our, at our our pig roast gun church camp area, 
the 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 day after it, me and my almost two year old son were out there picking up trash. When we walk around, my kids are always picking up trash off the ground because that's what we do. You get a farm, there's always trash around, and they just throw it in trash. And he's just having a blast, just 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 a bunch of water bottles like what you know is in front of Michael there. And uh, I just crack in the lid a little bit, and a two, and, and and my son Cash is picking them up, dumping them out, having a blast, and throwing them in the trash like it's fun. We have fun all the time. That's how they get their dopamine hits. And you know that, like like I say all the time, we have a very short time to make our children what they're going to be for the rest of their lives. You got six years to, 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 to get that job done right. And these guys have taken mm-hmm. the most valuable time in my kid's life for, for you know parental interaction, right. and I am not happy about it. We're going to continue Nonsense. here. More on uh, the case where it was the state versus the Noon family on a trumped-up charge of so-called child endangerment, which, according to the police officer who took the stand later... He didn't think the child was in danger. That's right. He testified to that. So there's more coming up here. We'll share it with you. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Some level of detail about the courtroom experience today with Jay and his wife, Jay Noon, and his wife, Shallon, uh, in front of the Concord District Court Church, where they were trying to put her away for up to a year in jail for the dastardly crime, so-called crime, of leaving her child in a car seat in a climate-controlled car on a relatively nice March day in New Hampshire a year ago. Uh, so we can talk more about that coming up here. It's Ian, Mushmouth, Mike, and Jay with you tonight. The number, if you want to join the show, is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And I uh, want to say thanks to Dash. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, this hour of the show, uh, which is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. And one of the cool things about Dash is that they were actually the first crypto project to have what they call a decentralized autonomous organization. They started this thing like almost a decade ago, because Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies, and it's widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and to use Dash. You can learn more over at Dash.org. And when you do dig into it, you'll learn that their decentralized autonomous organization uh, takes 10% of the mining rewards from Dash, and they put it into essentially a treasury. And then anyone that has one Dash, which right now is between 40 and 50 bucks, uh, if you got one Dash, you can put forward a proposal, and that proposal can do all manner of different things. We did one, for instance, uh, for Free Talk Live to get this sponsorship. Uh, but there's other things that you can do with it. And uh, you put the proposal out, the Dash masternodes, which are kind of like some of the stakeholders in the system, they decide whether or not that proposal moves forward. They'll bet the proposal, they'll ask tough questions, and they'll vote on it. And uh, decentralized autonomous organizations have become very plentiful these days. They're all over the place in the world of crypto, but Dash paved the way by doing it first nearly a decade ago. You can learn more over at Dash.org. And thanks to the Dash Decentralized Autonomous Organization for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. 
All right. So, Jay, we were talking about the uh, the first witness in your case that the state called. Karen. Karen. Not AK, Karen. Yeah, Her AKA. Karen. Donna. She looks like a Karen, though. Her oh, name yeah. is, is Donna Barnett. And did you know in advance that she was a government nope. bureaucrat? We couldn't find anything really about her. We, you know, I, we internet searched her hmm. and we just... Uh, I'm, and I'm not real good at that stuff. Well, somebody on Jeremy Kaufman's profile, because he tweeted about this woman uh, on his Twitter account, uh, library founder, LBRY.com founder, Jeremy Kaufman, and one of his commenters dug up her LinkedIn profile right, like, right. Know, real real fast. Thank you. And uh, she was a is currently working for the Merrimack County Attorney's Office, the prosecutors in the very same county where this case was happening. Concord is a Merrimack County city. And so this woman's job is to work on stupid cases like this. And so she probably saw the, you know, this car that was allegedly she pulled up next to your your wife's car. Uh, and she said, oh, we could win this case or whatever. Oh, oh we, can free attack, we can attack these guys with the New Hampshire Health Freedom sticker and the, yeah, and the, the free, free license, license plate. plate and just a couple other, you know, earthy, crunchy type kind of things on the car. But it was just interesting that the the complaining party in this case just so happened to be a government bureaucrat, which was the same thing was true in my first uh, criminal trial here in New Hampshire, where I was on trial for my tenants having a couch out uh, in the lawn. When I was on that trial, I learned through my questioning of the witnesses that it was a government bureaucrat who lived down the street who called in the complaint against the couch in the lawn. So once again, it's it's not even your real neighbors in a lot of cases who are doing these things. It's professional government bureaucrats whose job it is to ruin people's lives, who in many cases are actually bringing these complaints. It's job security. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, for example... Theft. You know, one of the things that we're going to look into with this stuff is where the money comes from that goes into the judicial pension fund. So one thing that we do know that happens with the judicial pension fund in almost every state in the country and absolutely Texas is that when child support is awarded by family court, whatever that child support award is, two thirds of that award turns into money that comes from the federal government. It gets pulled out of the Social Security Administration fund and goes into the judicial pension fund hmm. and this is an incentive in every state from what i understand we haven't uh, found this out in new hampshire i've talked to some people about it and they're like i'm gonna look into that that's another thing that's cool there is so many people that are excited about this case and the fact that we're you know pushing back against these guys and exposing them for their crime and their misconduct and their uh, administrative abuse uh that there, i got a, I got a lot of people who are like hey i'm retired i used to be a lawyer one guy's like i we're going to dig, dig this stuff up. We're going to work it. I got a handful of grassroots investigators who are like smart, intellectual people that moved mm-hmm. to New Hampshire for the Free State Project, literally as retirees. And they're like, I got nothing better to do. This is what I <laughs> want to do is what like two guys actually told me today in a courtroom. It's That's nice. good. They see that there's hope for this place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, 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 they're very excited. Yeah, I got to agree. And it's great to have uh, so many good people here. And it's only going to get better as more people start to make the move here to New Hampshire, we're seeing record numbers of uh, people joining this movement. There's record numbers of people who are buying homes uh, as part of the Free State Project, people who have joined the migration of libertarian liberty activists that are coming here. That's the reason why the three of us are here. We wouldn't have known each other right? Uh, otherwise besides this particular project. And we're just getting this thing started. It's Yes, it's two decades in, 
but it's still just getting you know off the ground basically right and, and we're building a culture here is what we're doing at least that's my incentive i know it's out all, all I, that's all of our incentive here is to mm-hmm. to build a culture of uh honorable good people who want liberty in their lifetime people who want to just be left alone and people who are looking to just leave everyone else alone yep. and, uh, and and so that, radical that's what we're working on I think that's why New Hampshire works because uh, my experience of being here for you know over ten years now, most of the natives that I run into they they already have those uh, yep. you know they they already have that ideology unless they're, they're hardworking cr- unless they're an uh, an irresponsible uh, parasite uh, yep. you know a like Donna Barrett or right. Barnett. <laughs> Oh, by the way, there was somebody who heckled her on the way out of the courtroom today. <laughs> I didn't hear it, but apparently Bonnie heard somebody say say to uh, Donna as she was you know getting off the stand and walking out of the court something like, "You should move out of New Hampshire, you parasite," or something to that effect. It was <laughs> definitely not the right place for her. Yeah, and no, no, no. and uh, the judge had to like step in. Apparently, he heard it or something, and he said, "No more talking to the." You know, the witnesses that could be witness tampering. Blah, oh, blah, I, did, blah. I did hear the judge comment yeah. on that, but I didn't hear what was going on in the background. Uh, so this lady claimed that when she got to the TJ Maxx, uh, that she had parked next to your wife's car, that it was running. She saw the two-year-old in the back and noted that the two-year-old was asleep, didn't seem to be uh, too disturbed or anything like that. But she said she was concerned. She was worried about this two-year-old in the back of the car even though it wasn't a particularly hot day, it was warm for March, which meant, according to the cop who testified, upper 60s. Uh, so pretty nice day out. But she was still worried, so she waited, she says, 30 to uh, 35 minutes before calling the police. She also testified that there was two other women who were present or in the immediate vicinity who she said had already called the police when they had gotten there, if I recall correctly. And then... One of those women got called later on, and she gave kind of the opposite testimony. So right, the testimony right. was all jumbled up from the so-called witnesses. Of course, you know their witnesses aren't particularly reliable as far as their memories are concerned. But I thought it was interesting that the Donna Bar- Barnett thought this other ladies had called, but when the lady uh, she was referencing testified, she said she hadn't called the police, and they only called the police after they hooked up with Donna uh, you know, at some point. So, like, there was all kinds of different statements about how long it took for the police to get there and how long they were there at the uh, the car. And I did find myself wondering, Jay, um, why you guys didn't testify about the car. Um, you had, like, a remote starter. I remember, I remember you mentioned this on the air, that you had a remote start in the car and it was, like, a 15-minute timer or something like that. And that never that never came up uh, so, in trial. So uh, my wife did uh, call the people who installed it, Boomers mm-hmm. in Nashua, New Hampshire, and she asked them about it, and she got a response. Uh, they sent her an email, mm-hmm. and we didn't have the. It was just something that we slipped our mind. You know, we didn't mm-hmm. have the. Uh, you know, you, you know, my my wife is really pissed at you know the almost three hundred dollars worth of you know, plants that we ordered to put in the garden been sitting around for a week, not mm. being put in the ground you've been prepping for trial. because we haven't had time to do it. Um, you know, and, and, and literally, you know, working on a farm, you just can't walk away from chores. Like, right. like, like part of my daily activity is a minimum four to six hours of farm work that I, you know, and 90% of it I do with my kids. So what did but, you learn about this thing? Cause you had said before that it was a 15 minute timer on the, the, the remote start. And that's, I think true of the one I've got, it's like 10 or 15 minutes that it'll go for before it just automatically shuts off. And what you had said on the air was that 
that was what she had used to keep the engine running right. while she'd gone in. So, you know, she hadn't, she didn't restart the engine from inside the store, right? She just started right. it and walked away, went into the store and came back. Right. And actually the store, <laughs> when she was in there, you know, um, she walked, you know, could, could basically from, you know, walk you know, like 10 feet and look out the window from the service desk. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, so yeah, we, we, we did, uh, we didn't introduce that because we didn't have it in an affidavit format. And probably what we would do is actually have the guy who installed it. Mm-hmm. Um, we would have subpoena him uh, as a witness uh, if this goes forward to another thing and have him come in and say, uh, based on his expert you know, testimony as being the guy who installs these things every day for a living, uh, what he programmed it to and you know that. So, yes. And was it 15 minutes or um, was it something else? I can't remember if it was 15 or 25 okay. off the top okay. of my head. If I... I say something definite i'm i'm not sure what the right answer is but it definitely wasn't longer than 25 minutes Mm. that uh, that timer thing and you know there's been several times where you know we've uh started the car in the winter time because it's cold Mm -hmm. and we don't get outside and you know to in time by the time we gather up the kids and get them dressed and change diapers and the car's not running anymore right and then you get started again but you know the car is usually warm warmer um, so, you know, that thing, uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to you know, be a make work. or break for the case or anything like that, right. because I don't think they proved their case at all. The witnesses were all over the place as far as their estimates of the time. And regardless, even the police officer, when he testified, testified, the child did not appear to be endangered by anything at all. But then when the prosecutor, uh, asked him some questions, he asked him to wildly speculate essentially without saying that. Uh, on what could have gone wrong. And I believe the cop said that the car could have caught on fire, uh, that there could have been... I'm surprised he didn't say an asteroid could have come and uh, smashed the thing to to bits. It's possible. (laughs) Right. I I really want to see the video of me cross-examining that cop because I pissed him off. Uh, When I asked him, you know, how many times has he uh, seen a child harmed or injured in a car seat because mm. it's sitting in a park, because it's just a car sitting parked somewhere. He, he admitted said, not ever. None. And then I said, how many times have you seen a child, um, you know, injured or harmed in an automobile accident while traveling down a road? And he says, oh, several. T- I- I've seen that. And I go, how many? And, and they that, objected. And, and, well, he, and he like uh, looks at the prosecutor, help me. Yeah. And uh, and, 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 <laughs> yeah. and the prosecutor objects. And um, so... Uh, but and, and it was clear that 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 that, that police officer had uh, he didn't have any kids, and, and I mm-hmm. asked him if he had any kids, which which that sh- I, I you know we're gonna you know they find, objected to that one too. Well, well, we're gonna find a way to get around that because what's happening is the liberal left, mm-hmm. right? These radical leftists don't have any kids, and it isn't that they don't have any kids. They they have most of them don't have kids. Like the average. You know, uh, liberal leftist families having like 1.3 kids, according to st- statistics, mm. and the average conservative family is having over two kids per family. Mm-hmm. So the liberals are, you know, not really having kids. And what kids they are having, they're convincing them to, you know, um, mutilate themselves and, you know, essentially sterilize themselves. They're not at replacement levels. No, and, and, and they're sterilizing their, you know, sterilizing their own. But the, the thing is, that's very important because. Like a police officer is like looking at a kid, you know, with, with a pacifier in a car seat. He has no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. He also he's like, oh, look, there was food wrappers and trash, you know, seats in the car. I mean, you get you got two kids. Anybody who's got two toddlers that's run, riding around the car that, that that has done this knows that the car is just pretty much destroyed every trip because you're giving the kids snacks and they're just, you know, 
they, you know, they're, they're kids. That's what they do. And they're, they're, they, yeah. they have a high metabolism. Their bodies are growing really fast. They got to eat multiple times a day, a lot. Mm-hmm. They're always hungry. Um, and, and they make a mess. They're kids. And yeah, so that, that guy, I, I, I really want to see that video. Um, <clears throat> and there was, uh, you know, an, another mistake we made is we didn't subpoena all their witnesses. We should Why have would, done it. Because they, they were going to call a certain number, but they didn't call them, so they basically? Had, so they had a witness list, and on their witness list, um, the uh, they have this uh, officer, Justin Gallico. Because mm-hmm, there were two cops on the Correct. scene, but only one got called today. Only one got called. And I, I was here looking for uh, Justin Justin um, uh, Galicho's uh, report. Mm-hmm. And, what, uh, and, and this guy basically says... Uh, in his report, oh, the mother looks like she can take care of a kid. I could tell the air conditioning was on because mm-hmm. I saw a little piece of piece of uh, plastic, you know, blown in the front seat. Uh, when I when I saw Shallon, uh, I was standing next to Shallon when she opened up the car door, and I could feel the cool breeze mm-hmm. uh, coming in. And I really wanted the I really want to get this guy on the stand because he I got to ask him who told who who told him to file the warrant. In fact, that would be part of one of my discovery things. Mm-hmm. Who told you to file uh, the warrant? One of the discovery things that I would do if I had to do this over again is uh, I would ask them if they had meetings, if they had like a master plan, if they have like an administrative workout session where they, you know, brainstorm or work on these things. Who are those people? How mm-hmm. did you communicate? I need all text messages. I need all backup servers. Yes, yeah, so you want to find out if this yeah. came from on high. Yeah, Somebody yeah, yeah. put these guys up to it. Right. Because, you know, I'm noticing because they pattern. had an arrester on the scene. Like if they thought this right. child was endangered. Then they would have put her in handcuffs and taken that kid to DCYF or whatever. Right. They would have had all the justification in the minds of a jury or whatever that they would have needed. Absolutely. But they didn't. Hey, Jay, you say you'd like to put this guy on the stand, but uh, would, wouldn't you also be just as happy if they just said not guilty or dismissed sure. or whatever? Sure. sure. It's good. So, you know, it absolutely. But um, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's what I'm hoping for, too. But the thing is, is like these guys can't be allowed to get away with this stuff. Of course not. Uh, you know, is the bottom line. And so going to the slimeballness of the prosecutor, they purposely didn't have this guy this guy That's appear right. in court today because his statement like totally blows the whole uh, you know, all of the elements of this particular child endangerment charge right. out of the water. S- sort of his his whole narrative sort of like, you know, pretty much uh, nullifies the entire maybe, maybe all those sort of sort of things you're saying where if if they knowingly did this and advised this guy if you could prove these things and d- begin developing and showing these level of corruption i mean maybe uh, with any luck these people so, just leave office or they get thrown out or whatever <laughs> sure so like like one of our one of our friends jr hole who's a, 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 a liberty-minded uh, state representative um he uh, gave his kids some you know ivermectin nobel winning prize very safe medication mm-hmm. and uh dcyf actually did a they came down him. They got an emergency order to take all his kids. You know, yeah. they're like teenagers and stuff. And like they, th- he spent thirty eight thousand dollars in lawyer fees. Um, and so, so he, so he had to ask for discovery fifteen times, I believe, what it was to get all wow. the discovery and the stuff that he came up with in discovery was insane. And he asked them for like all their, you know, servers and their backup servers and you know everything. And 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 hmm. now, um. And, and all that information he got is going to become very handy, it, it, or is very handy mm-hmm. for. I believe he's pursuing a lawsuit against DCYF right now. And so Jr. Hole's another guy who is, um, you know, fits this narrative. He's part of Health Freedom New Hampshire, right? I, I think the Health Freedom New Hampshire sticker in, in the back window of my wife's car is, um, you know, is very telling. 
Because if you look at, you know, this um, pattern of abuse, uh, many of these people will get into this in probably a little bit. We're all, you know, essentially free staters or part of Health Freedom New Hampshire. But yeah, so the, so the slime ball attorney, uh, you know, the prosecutor there, mm-hmm. he they purposely did not want to bring uh, this guy into, um, you know, uh, on you know on there, so we could not in- introduce his uh, narrative, right. in, you know, in, into the in, into evidence, and that was uh, a fault of of uh, me not getting him subpoenaed, uh, and this is why you should just subpoena all their witnesses, hmm. and um, <clears throat> so you can. You know, say, oh, hey, I, I got to ask this guy here. And, you know, because, cause, you know, that was kind of like, you know, one thing uh, that was, we were looking really forward to, to, you know, prove this case. And, right. You know, in our, in Get our that site. guy up there. Right. So, uh, the, these, uh, so th- it's very clear that the, to us that these people calling themselves prosecutors, um, they're not looking in the best interest of justice. No, of course not. <laughs> uh, you know, these guys all have their own agenda. They're and, looking for a conviction. That's and I, security. I would almost bet they're a bunch of woke radical leftists that are, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, into all this, you know, government worshiping garbage. I bet you're right about that. Yeah. Uh, so I want to come back to this cop. The uh, even though the prosecutor objected and his objection was sustained in regards to your question about do you have kids? Right. You got around that. Interestingly, on I think it was like re cross examination because during during uh, redirect, the prosecutor had asked the cop about well, what could happen? Right. What what could happen to a child in a in a car? And I, I took notes on this one over at social.freetalklive.com. If you want to check all my notes from the trial, just follow me at ftl underscore ian. Uh, the cop said the baby could choke on the pacifier, yeah. the car could catch fire, someone could break in and kidnap or steal the car in those cases. And so you asked him about the pacifier question. This was a really sharp way of getting around the objection to uh, not being able to ask him if he's had kids, because if he's had kids, he would have known the answer right. to this question, right? Your <laughs> question was what? My question was, um, are you aware that pacifiers are designed so children, and, and they're sized specifically for age, so children can't choke on them? <laughs> and he said no. He said no, that's right. <laughs> so, but, oh, and by the way, the prosecutor tried to object to that question as well, but yes. the judge, uh, he uh, overruled the objection in that and, case because the prosecutor had opened the door to allowing the cop to just wildly speculate on what could happen, so it was completely within the realm of uh, recross examination to ask a question about past. My understanding was, uh, I don't even like this legal stuff, but uh, you never ask a question that you don't know the answer to, like if you're an attorney or yes. something like that, right? Yeah, that's correct. Or at least you don't think you know what they're going right. to say. Yep. So uh, ridiculous reasons why, you know, somebody I think in the crowd pointed out apparently that the TJ Maxx could also have caught fire <laughs> while she was inside the store. So, like, the idea that it was less safe and the, the child was less safe in the car is, you know, ridiculous. Just trying to justify this is a huge waste of time and effort. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And 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 it is clear and apparent now that I see that, you know, the Karen in this is, you know, one of – oh, get back to uh, – so uh, what's that uh, – what, what's the, uh, the Karen's name again here? Donna. 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 Government um, bureaucrat. Waited 35 minutes to call the police. Mm-hmm. But yet she didn't have a clock. She and had no way to know. She testified. I, I think that she needed to say she waited 35 minutes because she works in the lawyer's office, and um, they wanted to, you know, have that timeline that that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though 35 minutes is actually is absolutely is actually absurd. An- another thing that we have is we have um, the Google, um, uh, you know, like 
there's no there's there's no tracking data on my phone, but my wife runs like an Android Google you know oh, Play yeah. Store phone with yeah, yeah. Uh, Google Maps on it, and she's got Google Maps right there on her phone. She's like, how do we introduce this into evidence? Because mm. it tells exactly how long she was there in the parking lot. Really? Yes. Okay. And um, interesting. I'm not going to disclose that information, right? You know, yeah, on, they're listening. But, <laughs> but I'm like, uh, and 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 I mean, one of our friends. In the courtrooms, like, well, just look at Google on your phone, Shallon. That'll tell you. Uh, are you running Google Maps on your phone? He says mm-hmm. to her, you know, that they're at you know eight thirty and you know standing in the lobby. Yeah, why? I'm running Google. Ma- I got Google Maps. Yeah, well, just just look at your timeline. Let's say how long you're at that parking lot for. <laughs> wow. Well, what do you know? Mm-hmm. So now we got to figure out how to get that into evidence, which um, we're going to figure out how to do. There's going to be a way to verify that. There's going to be a way to get it into evidence if necessary. And well, I mean, uh, whether, other people can use that. And she can. She can take the stand. Uh, right. That is an option, and right. then she could testify about what she saw on her phone as far as how long she was there. I mean, that's, that's absolutely something she could do. And 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 there and and you know, um, the, she did not want to. I I I wanted her to take the stand uh, to get a couple of things in, but she is just like so nervous, and oh, like yeah. she probably would have started maybe start crying. She's not like mm-hmm. you know, you're at my wedding. You know, she's not a public speaker. Yeah. And when you got a bunch of threatening personalities in the it's room, scary. it's scary. And people, they pe- people there with guns. Right. Yeah, but that's to say there's guns in the courtroom, right? Oh, yeah. And, and they're irresponsible people. Remember, all these people with the guns and badges and the suits and ties who steal from the working class with paper and pen, they have what's called RSA 99 qualified immunity, which means they are not held liable for any um, civil um, you know, stuff that they do. And they're not even held liable for criminal actions. It's really hard to prove the criminal actions. So this creates a culture of, of irresponsible people, the irresponsible parasite class I refer to it as. We're going to continue here. Hour number three is on the way. If you want to join the show, maybe you've got a comment on this case or whatever happens to be on your mind. I know uh, Mushmouth Mike, you wanted to talk about a boycott going on out there that's kind of got your interest. Oh yeah, I like coming this up. Idea. Mouth Mike and Jay. We're going to go back to your phone calls and thoughts. Uh, you can bring up anything you want. That's kind of what we do here on Free Talk Live. We've been focused tonight on the trial that happened today, and it did wrap up today. Uh, it looked like it might go into a second day for a moment there, but uh, then it turned out that uh, you guys, Jay, didn't call anybody on the defense side, which you're not obligated to do. Uh, I don't think they proved their case at all against your wife, uh, Shallon, for quote-unquote child endangerment. We did not get a ruling from the judge yet. He has taken the case under advisement, which is usually a good sign in my experience, simply because they don't want to give a not guilty in front of a crowd of people that's going to start cheering and, you know, it's on video and just kind of looks embarrassing when they do it that way. So they just quietly send you a not guilty in the mail. Yeah, you can't let that. people think that hey, if they actually stand up for themselves, that you know they uh, they might get some 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 things fixed. Yeah. So so I've been studying some of this Mark Stevens stuff for a long time. Mark Stevens, the author of Adventures in Legal Land, great and uh, great book. Government indicted, or is that the same book? I haven't read that one yet, but you know, I've heard it's very good. And anyways, uh, <clears throat> he uh, you know uh, did a lot of schooling people really well, and, mm-hmm. and one of the things that uh, I did is impeach the witness, but I didn't get around to actually getting the witness 
testimony strike. Mm. Uh, but uh, one thing I'd asked a, a couple things I'd asked a cop, and I used a visual, which was the dry erase board. And we brought our own dry erase boards, but they had a real nice one set up there in a courtroom. Oh, okay. And uh, they were cool about letting me use it. And <clears throat> so uh, the judge I, was so new, he didn't even know it was in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The judge, he's like, oh, I don't know what that is. And, and the bailiff it's is probably like, the first trial he's had. And the bailiff is like, <laughs> oh, that's a cabinet or something mm, like that. No, so, it's not. So I, so I asked the, um, uh, you know, um, I, I, I asked the police officer, I says, uh, do you have any evidence in, uh, of a violation of a legal right? And uh, he says, no. And I said, do you have any? And so I, I thought re- you got an objection. Oh, yeah. That, that one got an objection. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm standing to complain. I was thinking about it. I didn't, I didn't get, get into that one. Viol- and, and they objected. So I says, well, you know, and I don't remember one on there. But I said, do you have any evidence of a loss or a harm? And he says, no. So I write, no, loss or harm mm-hmm. on the board. And then I put, uh, do you have any evidence of um, uh, a legal right and actual adversary? Uh, oh, no, oh, do you have any evidence of a damage? And uh, he said, no. Uh, and, I, and then I also, also asked him, do you have any evidence that the New Hampshire code, the RSA, applies to Shallon Spalding? And he's like, ask the question again. I don't understand. And, th- and then I said, do you have any evidence uh, that the New Hampshire Revised Statutes Annotated, the RSA, which is New Hampshire Code, mm-hmm. applies to Shallon Spalding. And he said no. Yeah, I was surprised and, there was no objection on that one. Yeah, me too. And he was looking at that prosecutor for an objection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I think the prosecutor was really maybe wasn't paying attention. Um, but uh, then the prosecutor, because I put in, 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 in my pleadings that uh, you know a whole bunch, uh, 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 some stuff uh, in the motion to dismiss, which the prosecutor had probably read, that just because you're on the on New Hampshire or I said in New Hampshire or whatever uh, does not mean you know does not mean that the New Hampshire laws and code apply to you just because you're there uh, uh, in New Hampshire. Well, they have to prove that. So what I or did they should have to. So so the uh, they won't. The prosecutor said something to that fact. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember exactly how he worded it. I'm I'm actually kind of excited to watch his video mm. because that's where we're going to really learn some stuff from. Or I'm going to learn some stuff from and Shallon and you know and all of us in general watching this stuff and that's the purpose and, and that's the other thing too. It would be just be hard to document in other states like this, like the, Massachusetts. Yeah, it wasn't really easy difficult, in Massachusetts right? when I did it ten years ago. And in like New York State, it's like impossible to get a camera in a courtroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess with the feds, you can't get a camera in a courtroom no. either. So, so, so I asked the uh, officer after, after the, um, uh, oh, and I, I said, oh, I have a follow up question. I said because you know it was cross examination. This is, uh, do you have any evidence that because you're standing on the soil we call New Hampshire, that the New Hampshire laws or code apply to anyone? And the prosecutor objected. And the judge says, well, I don't know if he said this, but he's like, you opened up this can of worms. He didn't use that phrase. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I'm going to allow the question. And he told the prosecutor, a uh, witness to answer the question. And he said, no. And like, I just, you know, heard, um, you know, Mark Stevens voice in the back of my head. Cause I've been listening to the guy for years, just mm-hmm. like a big, yeah. Or something, you know, that, you know, <laughs> that was a pretty cool thing. And there was another point where that, that I thought was pretty comical where both the witness and the prosecutor object at the same time. And the judge goes, 
I'm not taking your objection, he says, or something like that to the witness. I, I don't know if you I might have missed that one. You, uh, Which witness was the witness was that? said objection? Yes. Well, he he said uh, he I think what he did was mouth objection to the prosecutor and it kind of came out. It was very which was it the cop? It was the cop. Oh, yes. like unconscious, maybe. Uh, well, no, because I heard Wait. object. I heard it come out and and I don't know if the judge was looking at him, hmm. but the judge caught it. And I wasn't sure that the witness said I object, but the judge says I'm not a- accepting an objection from you, or you can't object. We'll have yeah. to watch the video, uh, wow. uh, but um, uh, that was pretty pretty funny. But but like when I was going on about the pacifier, and I asked him, you know, how many uh, kids die in motor wrecks uh, versus you know sitting in cars and parking lots drafting car seats with the air conditioning on <laughs> uh, zero, and uh, he was getting pissed. And yeah. so we definitely got him off of his, like, you know, train of thought or his coaching because they school these guys on this stuff. Let's go to the phones here. I got Major Payne on the line in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Major. Yeah, guys. I hate to tell you this, but I'm going through the same thing with my daughter and her children out in Arizona. The oh, state's no. trying to all them. What about? I, huh? Oh, it's so they, uh, <clears throat> She's got a middle child. The oldest one is autistic and gets away with all kinds of crazy things. Mm-hmm. And the middle child has learned to pretty much emulate the crazy one to get what she wants. Well, mm-hmm. she's been stealing money from her mother, stealing food from the house, stealing from stores, just being a heathen, Oof. right? And so uh, her mother gets her in the side yard after she's done something again, you know, and... uh you know how you drop and you lock your legs and you drop somebody like a tree? Well, she was going, and this, this girl, she's getting big. She's getting like 140 pounds, so handling her without, you know, popping her in the nose is getting to be a chore. Mm-hmm. So Amber does the right thing. This is the same thing the cops and the paramedics and all the legal aids, or not the legal aids, but medical, you know, assistance. When people are going badass crazy, it's how you drop them. So that's what she does. And, uh, well, she gets her by the scruff of neck, and they're walking back to the house. Well, the kid squirms away from her, spits right in her face, and Amber just loses it for a split second and backhands her. Mm. And then there's a crazy grandmother in the situation that's always been trying to, you know, meddle. Mm. She's just the most manipulative woman I ever met. But, yeah, this whole thing's cost me $7,500 already, and it ain't nowhere near over Hey, um, but, uh, so she being charged with a, like child not, abuse or something? What's the charge? Yeah, well, the prosecutor's got a tentative assault charge, been sitting on his desk for two months. But I hired her an, an out of town attorney all the way from Tucson. Hell, he's he got to drive two hours to get there. So how he's how old is your daughter, Major? Uh, she'd be now about 32, I think. Wow, I hope she's contributing for these legal bills, too. Oh, she is. She's she she's done set up a separate account, but I mean, yeah, she had I I had to come up with a retainer. Hey, uh, Major, uh, there's a guy that you should get a hold of in Arizona. His name is Mark Victor. Um, er, he's a good friend of Ernie Hancock's. So I don't know if you're familiar with Ernie Hancock, uh, but Mark Victor is like a um, libertarian freedom type attorney in uh in 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 or, in or around Phoenix. And if you want to um, email me, Major, my email is j at jnoon.com. So that's J-A-Y at J-A-Y-N-O-O-N-E dot com. And um, <clears throat> I can um, 
send you, uh, find some contact information to uh, get you in contact with some people in Arizona that uh, might be helpful to your situation. All right, I tell you, I don't do all that email and Facebook stuff, but I will <laughs> relay that to my daughter sure. and have her contact you. So if you get something from Amber, that's that's who it is. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's a frustrating situation. I mean, I don't support using violence to, you know, train kids or whatever, but, uh, you know, I, I can understand why somebody would blow up in an instant when they're being pushed. Well, I mean, the, that's what that, that's probably what that kid wanted, the reaction they were looking for. So, so I don't well, believe... Like I said, the, the oldest girl is autistic, and she's gotten away with crazy for you know the fourteen years this other year, this other one's been watching. The kids in the public schools. Uh, oh, of course, of yeah. course. Yeah, so I mean, that means that's where they're learning it. Then. That's exactly right. Yeah, well, too, you know, if hey, mom slaps me uh, for running my mouth, uh, well, she doesn't do that. I, I'm going to go tell somebody and uh, get her in trouble. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot of elements that are pretty much equating why kids are just out of control. So parents are overworked. Parents aren't really raising their kids. They're relying on internet devices. They're the relying government. on daycare. Sounds like know. a single mom here, too. Uh, and they're, um, you know, uh, yeah, and the single mom epidemic. Uh, and then, <clears throat> so the kids aren't getting consistently disciplined. Uh, and then the kids get out of hand, uh, you know, and, you know, things happen. And, and you know, it was, you know, normal 50, 60, you know, years ago for, you know, a kid to get, you know, sort of the, the rod of discipline. Um, I luckily, you know, having children later in life and training horses, my, pretty much my, you know, first 30 years of my life, I was into training horses and I learned very quick that if you, you know, you start beating up horses a little bit, you're going to get hurt. So I learned how to deal with horses without using, you know, essentially the rod of discipline or smacking them around. And I've also watched a lot of cowboys get really messed up, you know, cause they're just being rough on horses. And even like my dad, like he gave us, gave me some spankings. He gave my next brother a couple spankings. My youngest brother, he never had to give him a spanking. So my mm-hmm. father, you know, he he learned after raising three other boys with the fourth boy how to go about discipline. Uh-huh. And um, <clears throat> so, and, and it's a learning process. And it's actually something I plan on. I I I I, uh, I I I plan on. I have been teaching parents and teaching people and telling about you know you know ideas on how to go about discipline, how to you know. And and the biggest thing is you just have to be consistent. But the thing is, is um, when kids are getting out of hand and you discipline them the way grandma disciplined, you know, dad, for example, uh, the state's getting involved now. The state wasn't getting involved back then. And a lot of kids that are 14, 15 years old, you know, they're just, you know, I've seen where, oh, yeah, you're going to spank me. I'm going to call social services. Uh, I watched, you know, there was these kids that lived a couple couple houses down from where I grew up, and they were constantly in trouble. Well, actually, those two kids are dead right now, oh, and they're wow. my age because, you know, they they're, they uh, they they would be my age. We went to school together, but like they were the ones. Oh yeah, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call social services, DSS, Department of Social Services, what it was in Massachusetts. That was like the word that you use. And I can remember them like saying that. Oh, you just tell your Parent, just call it DSS on your parents if you know oh, man, if, if, if if they're going to discipline you, you know, like that. And uh, those kids died, died of heroin. Um, that that was their deal. So when you when you the state is is taking all this uh, disciplinary rights away from the parents, the state has assumed that they are the father of the children or you know the owner of the children. At least you know in what I see that the state does. And this is also part of the problem. Major, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Good luck out there. Uh, let's continue here. Chuck's in Washington State. Chuck, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Chuck? 
going once, Chuck going twice. All right, let's try Sarah in New Mexico. Sarah, go ahead. Yeah, so we have things called the care shakedown in our state. The care shakedown? Yes, that's uh, they're doing a massive uh, traffic patrols. Normally, those two words don't, don't go together: caring and shaking someone down. How does that work exactly? Well, it's a like um, it's abbreviation for crash something. It, uh, it's each letter uh, stands for something. I see. It's an acronym. Yeah, crash, crash accident or rescue something, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. So what are they doing? Is that what it is? That I what don't it, know. It's a good guess. Yeah, it's a good guess. What? So what exactly are they doing, Sarah? Um, I think they're um, getting people for um, speeding. The officers getting them for speeding, and a hundred of the tickets were for um, uh, seatbelt seatbelt things. And, and you think and this caught, like, is how you care for people? Um, I think so. Yeah, by giving them tickets and so. threatening them. Well, I mean, having them slow down because uh, they don't think that speeding is dangerous. That's going to hurt somebody else. Well, it generally like doesn't. You, well, but every once in a while, it does kill a whole bunch of people. Most of the time, it doesn't, but there's that one time that it does, and it kills a whole family. Well, but, I mean, life I mean, isn't without you, risk. Driving is dangerous. Yeah, it's one of the most, it's actually the most dangerous thing you can do. I was looking up some statistics. The, uh, right? the way most kid children die is in car accidents. You know, is that States. right? Do you, do you know that uh, <clears throat> the past several years, uh, wow. 33 children have died from heat exhaustion in cars? And this basically mm. has happened in like Texas, California, New Mexico was one of them. I think New Mexico actually, had, oh no, Florida had the highest. So the hottest states. Yeah, all these hot states. It's actually, there. I couldn't even find a case where a kid died of heat, heat exhaustion in New Hampshire. Mm. Couldn't even find one. Sarah, thanks for the call tonight. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. Uh, Jay, other highlights? Was there other you know things you wanted to share from your day in court today that we might have um, glossed over or missed entirely? So you know, we studied like the Mark Stevens stuff. Uh, we you know brought up you know uh, that the state had no standing. Of course, a judge denied it. Uh, we brought up the state, uh, you know, proved that there was no violation of a legal right, that they proved that there was no loss and there was no harm. Also, that there's no evidence that the code applies mm-hmm. uh, to Shallon Spaulding. Um, and uh, <clears throat> which would have been interesting because one more thing about this. So with, with the other police officer, he's a guy I really wanted to just ask a lot of questions to. Uh, but in my, um, you know, potential, uh, I'm still going to have an opportunity to do this when I sue these guys. Because I'm going to have him deposed as part of a mm-hmm. civil lawsuit. So he writes uh, in, in this uh, narrative report that he could not get a um, warrant against my wife until he got the date of birth of what they uh, of who they referred to baby Spalding. Really? Is what they said. So <clears throat> when, uh, and I have this on video, when, when, when uh, my daughter was born, Cypress was born at the hospital, mm-hmm. uh, we had to use the hospital because the... Um, you know the uh, um, the midwife we used uh, is is one of these midwives that got a lot of customers, and she just didn't want to deal with my wife. I think because my wife's blood pressure was a little high, mm. and it's kind of a thing that, uh, from what I understand, is um, the midwife says that some of these women are they'll have a whole bunch of clients, and, be, and they have too many clients, and then they just start kind of shaking them off a little bit. You know, right as they get towards the end, oh, they come up with a reason why they got to refer you to an obst- obstetrician, OBGYN. 
So I kind of think that's what happened there. So we're in the hospital, and I'm like, hey, guys, I don't want a, I don't want a birth certificate for my kid. I don't want the state of New Hampshire having any of my daughter's biological identification in any database. Mm-hmm. Because as history shows, when it becomes illegal to be you know, Jewish or you know, it might become illegal in America to become white at, at you know, to be white at some point. Uh, just like um, you know, a friend of mine said, "Oh, it's, it's almost illegal just to be a white cis male um, in America now." Uh, so, and I actually have a video of this that I'm gonna you know put as part of a uh, workshop where I tell the social worker. I believe I actually sent you the video when it happened, Ian. Um, well, I tell the social worker, I don't want them guys doing this because the government is irresponsible with data and history shows that like, for example, when the Nazis invaded Holland, they were looking Holland, uh, the country of Holland, they were looking for two things, Jews and people who had guns. Well, what did Holland have? They had a Bureau of Vital Statistics that had birth documents on people and it identified their uh, what, their religious mm-hmm. uh, you know choice or eth- ethnicity and and color. So I don't want the state having any of that. And also, the state is just irresponsible with data in, in general. We know that. And right. and and I also believe that the state uses these birth certificates to do things like create money out of thin air and all kinds of other stuff that I haven't been able to confirm with any evidence. But there's a lot of you know. But we know that the federal reserve that the government, in cooperation with the federal reserve, just literally creates money, bam, out of nothing, like just sure. in, into existence. Well, and, any data they have on you, they can use against you, right? Yep, yeah, right. And so we don't want them having their data because, um, you know, uh, all because when it comes time, you know, to uh, you know, eradicate someone for some, you know, some race of people or some kind of genocide for some reason, um, they're going to go look at this particular. Uh, particular people that they want to eliminate, whoever takes over the government. Let's say the government gets invaded, right? Let's say they get invaded by, I don't know, um, Mexico, and Mexico's like, uh, takes over, and they're like, oh, well, you know, all the white people who want to get rid of you, you know, in America, and they just start going and looking up, or, or, or all the Christians, or all the whoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you, you know, um, people who, uh, you know, are um, free staters, people who don't want to take vaccines, you know, like the whole police thing, they're like, they wrote that we were anti-vaxxers, uh, you know, in, in, in the report from the hospital. So I did not want them to issue this birth certificate. Uh, but one of the things that, that, the, that, that the cop who issued the, uh, um, the warrant said that he could not do was issue a warrant until he got a date of birth. And I have, I have been uh, working on this thing for years now that the reason that these courts are coming against us, uh, uh, and this is another thing I did in this court, uh, but the reason these courts are coming against us when there's no violation of a legal right, there's no loss, there's no harm, there's no violent cause of action, there's no um, <clears throat> corpus delecti, uh, and there's no, um, you know, there's no adversary in, in, in these courts. Uh, and I believe what they're actually enforcing is intellectual property law. And uh, I followed the work of this guy. Um, oh, I can't think of his name right now. Anyways, um, <clears throat> Richard. Uh, Curtis Richard Collenbach dot uh, XYZ is the guy's uh, website, but Curtis Richard Collenbach talks about how, you know, this uh, intellectual property is essentially a date of birth is synonymous with the Gregorian timeline only. So if so, if you look back in, in history, you'll see James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington in history, they have two different birth dates. Hmm. Well, one of it is a Gregorian timeline date of birth. The Gregorian calendar was created by Pope Gregory the 15th. In 1543, you can just internet search Gregorian calendar. Is that the one that we use? The That's the Gregorian? one that, yeah, it's like today's June 1st on a Gregorian okay. calendar. The Julian calendar was a calendar that is 13 days behind the Gregorian calendar. And, mm-hmm. and so 
when you look at Thomas Jefferson, for example, he had a, two birthdays. And in Tom, a Julian birthday, born day, it was referred to. Julian born day, not a birthday. Okay. Because birth comes from this maritime you know, law stuff where like a ship's birth and all this commerce, law, merchant, oh, garbage. Yeah. So anyways, what happened, so this got really piqued my interest and I, and I forwarded to some of these guys who used to do this, some of this research with, and they're like, wow, this is really cool. We need to find out more about this because if you're using a date of birth, um, it, you're basically uh, admitting that you're using an intellectual property that the state is charged to enforce. One of the things I put in these pleadings this is, is a theory. There's no proof. This is that. a theory. Yeah. Um, there could be, there might be some proof that I haven't really like thoroughly mm-hmm. examined it yet to say it is, but I put in our pleadings. We are not using any intellectual property, any copyright or trademark. The state is charged to enforce. And if so, prove it. we got more coming up here. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. Uh, hopefully they will just find you not guilty and you'll be able to go back to work on the farm. Yep. But it does sound like you are prepared for round two if it comes to it. We will be prepared, yes. And the video will be out at some point probably by this weekend uh, over at the Free Keen Odyssey channel. we got more coming up and you can join the show as well here on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, and we got time for you if you want to join the show. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's Ian Mushmouth, Mike, and Jay Noon in the studio here tonight. We've been talking a lot about the movement, the migration of freedom-loving activists, liberty uh, activists, libertarians, voluntarists. Liberty-loving anarchists coming here to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Some don't join the Free State Project. They just move here. Uh, But regardless, there's thousands of people who have moved to New Hampshire as part of this migration. We are three of those uh, thousands. And there's probably thousands more that are planning to make the move. I know last year, was it 2022? 2021, the Free State Project had a record year of over 1,000 people moving 2022 it was over 600 people moving so it's been an amazing couple years Uh, a lot of people are still in the process of getting here and one of the things you got to figure out before you get to new hampshire is where you're going to live well hopefully the housing market is going to fall apart here locally so there'll be some that may give some opportunities yeah and we'll get a bunch of these people who that, that that's the biggest problem right it's now. Tight it's tight right now. Yeah, yeah, the housing market is very tight. There's I was actually of... talking with Mark Warden about that today as we were walking into your hearing. He's I said, well, you know, how's business? Because normally the answer is busy, and he said it's it's slow right now. Uh, there's uh, and he says it's across the board. It's not just it's yeah. not just Porcupine real estate. The realtors are the 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 competition in real estate right now. It's not selling the houses. It's finding the houses to sell. Mm. Yeah. And by the way, uh, they can still help you. Obviously, there are still some houses for sale. There's still plenty of places you can probably pick up to rent. And the folks over at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars where they're going to be focusing on some of the areas of freedoms that we've got here in New Hampshire that a lot of other people don't have anywhere else. Uh, So we'll be focusing on gun freedom. There's medical freedom, political freedom victories. They're going to, of course, talk about best practices for moving to New Hampshire and also finding housing here. These webinars are free to attend, and they're hosted by Porcupine Real Estate. These are experts. These are free staters. These are people who love liberty. They know what the situation is like here with the community, how awesome it is. You were talking about that earlier in the show tonight, Jay. These people are part of that community, and they can answer a lot of your questions. So these are a great opportunity to 
to learn more from a distance. You don't have to physically be here. These are webinars. Go to move.freetalklive.com. It's a quick URL that'll get you right over to the Porcupine Real Estate website, to their sign-up page, or you can sign up for one or more, I presume, of these presentations. Or go to their YouTube channel, which is called Porcupine Real Estate, and you can watch their past presentations there. But again, go and get signed up for the upcoming webinars over at move.freetalklive.com from Porcupine Real Estate. Uh, so I know, uh, Mush, Mush, Mouth, you, Mike, you wanted to talk about a boycott. I want to get into that. But, Jay, I want to make sure we, we covered everything that, uh, that you thought we needed to cover about the trial today. Again, video still to come on the Freaking channel on uh, Odyssey. Well, well, here's one thing. <clears throat> what I think is going on is that, you know, um, at, that my wife was targeted by this bureaucrat uh, pretty much because, you know, the stick bumper stickers on her car, Health mm. Freedom New Hampshire in particular, which she actually took off her car. Um, oh, wow. After did. this, you mean? Well, it, you know, she it's not on there anymore. She mm-hmm. took it off. She was like, ah, you know, she kind of feels like that. But also, so we have other examples of this. So we have Rochelle Kelly. Um, that was a mom who was targeted by Concord Police again yep. for uh, bringing her kids to the park during COVID. Correct. There's a playground. To the playground. Yes. So it was Rochelle Kelly, Pamela Jewell, and Tyler Workman that they brought their kids to the playground. They were all, well, at least Rochelle and Pamela. I'm pretty sure Tyler was charged, too. They were all charged. And they weren't even told they were charged. They weren't even told there was warrants out for their arrest. Mm-hmm. I, I believe uh, one of them, their neighbor, was a cop and was like, hey, there's a warrant for your arrest. And um, the other one was, you know, Rochelle was just traveling down the road and they arrest her. They um, impound her car. You know, it was a whole, like, S show. And I know that Rochelle and Pamela were um, found not guilty. Uh, these are uh, members of uh, the health New Hampshire Health Freedom Community. Um, <clears throat> Pamela is uh, a New Hampshire native. Uh, Rochelle moved here uh, for basically birthright freedom. Um, she's kind of an advocate of that. She moved here from Ohio, has, has recently moved back. Um, she actually wasn't even a free stater, but they were, uh, you know, part of these red pill moms that I was talking about that were, you know, going go to these activist rallies and, you know, and, and, and doing against the thing. Then you have uh, J.R. Hole. J.R. Hole, uh, freedom representative, gives his kids the ivermectin. Uh, oh, so this same. Uh, so J.R. Hole, I believe, was prosecuted in part by the uh, or with with DCYF and possibly by this. I'll have to get uh, Merrimack County Attorney General's office. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was definitely a political hit job. And, like, the whole thing studying J.R. Hole's case is, like, you know, these guys just went above and beyond, went, like, insane. I mean, they literally, like, <clears throat> they they had they showed up with a whole bunch of cops to just, like, at their house to take their kids. Now, if it, Crazy. Does, if it doesn't explain to you how tolerant armed new, uh, granite staters are because, you know, we don't have, like, you know, there's no shootouts with cops. You know, nobody does that stuff right? Uh, because we all know better. We know that you can't get into a physical altercation with the government. You know, the government has unlimited resources. They have military. They have MRAPs. They have all these tanks. Sure. They have, you yeah. know, automatic weapons. They're ready for Hellfire that. missiles. They're prepared. All They're that trained stuff. for that. Yeah. Monopoly right. on violence. They yeah. are trained to kill you. And they get away with killing you every time. So everybody yeah, knows better. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't do that kind of stuff. Um, also... 
the Concord chief of police years ago says, we need a bear cat because of these terrorists, you know, right wing or whatever, free staters. Free staters. They mentioned yeah. free staters. Yeah, yeah and there, right. there's whole newspapers are, are about that. There's an article on freedomsphoenix.com that I had wrote explaining this stuff, and I get into a bunch of these details, and I cite all kinds of links. First time the Kenyan police ever used their bear cat for an actual operation against somebody was this house. Yeah, uh, peaceful people. <laughs> You know, people that have never hurt anybody. Yeah. You know, and no one in this house has ever had an affidavit filed in a courtroom saying that they injured someone, that they took someone's legal right. The government nope. has never had jurisdiction to come after you guys, and they just do it anyways. Maybe you're using the intellectual property by calling yourself a United States citizen or a date of birth or something. So I'm the not bear, sure. The Bearcat was used on the thanks but no tanks people? That's correct. Yeah, the first time they ever used it. Mm. They did pull it out here and there to, like, public events. But as far as like an actual raid against uh, somebody, this was so, the first one. So you also have the New Hampshire Nine. Like uh, these guys. Yeah. Um, these are the people who were arrested in mass at a governor's executive council meeting for simply standing quietly in protest, basically. So, so this was either the Merrimack County Attorney's, uh, uh, General, Attorney's Office or state the police. Concord City. So the state police, I believe it would be Merrimack uh, 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 County um, Probably it would, yeah, yeah. Um, Although <clears throat> state police have their own prosecutors, but so, whatever. So these are just a couple examples. So I was talking to a few people outside the courtroom about this today, and I'm like, do you think we could come up with 50 solid examples of where... You know, Merrimack County or mm-hmm. um, Concord City Prosecutor's Office uh, and Concord Police or, you know, state police, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, and, you know, engage in this judicial misconduct and administrative abuse. Uh, oh, sure. Just with people who are associated with Health Freedom New Hampshire and or the Free State Project. Absolutely. Close. I mean, you yeah. have we have a history of like Carla Garrick, uh, William Kostrick, these guys getting arrested years ago for videotaping the cops mm-hmm. and and they sued them and they win. Um, yeah. Like uh, where police department got sued several times by by free staters and those free staters got um, settlements, you know, for example. And, and, and actually where police department where New Hampshire has been cleaned up a lot. They've really, uh, uh, you know, I'm surprised because well, it kept it, it. It was like corrupt chief after corrupt chief yep. after corrupt chief. Yep. Uh, who pays and, for those settlements? Uh, and who pays for those settlements? Uh, landowners, uh, people mm-hmm. who own businesses, the people that, you know, so if you don't pay your property taxes, men with guns will show up and they will remove you from your house. If you try to resist, you're going to leave in a body bag, which is the bottom line. I know that firsthand. Yeah. Men with guns showed up at my house down in Massachusetts because I wouldn't pay their protectionism fee to that particular mafia gang that they were right. acquiring, calling themselves state of Massachusetts. So yeah, that's about all. Uh, we're, you know, we got to straighten this out. We got uh, we got some uh, uh, freedom lovers in the, in the legislature. I mean, there needs to be legislation that these prosecutors cannot bring any claims uh, against or complaints unless there is a, a violation of party. A, yeah, no, unless a there's a violation of a legal right, mm-hmm. a loss or a harm, a valid cause of action. A viol- you know, it has to be an injury or, or an injury. Some kind of victim. Yeah, there has to be something. There has to be these elements, and these elements are not there. Yeah, they're not there in in, in 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 many many cases, and this is like nine. This is like ninety nine percent of what these irresponsible parasites do every day in these courtrooms. You know, and and, and I mean, just go read the Declaration of Independence. That stuff is happening yeah, yeah. like a thousand x. Yeah, this was nothing. You know. That was nothing compared right. to what they're doing now. Yeah, I, I I would love to see some legislation like that actually have a chance because you know right now there was uh, Matt Santanastaso, who's a free stater state rep last year i guess it was in this particular session uh he put in a bill to end the war on drugs 
And yep. that would, of course, be a, a major end to a lot of victimless crimes where there's no complaining party and there's no victim, there's no damage being done. But unfortunately, only 75 out of the 400 state reps, including, I think, or no, 70 uh, 35 Republicans, 35 Democrats. So a bunch of people who weren't free staters voted for that bill. And sadly, a bunch of free staters voted against it, which was a real shock uh, to me. Like this is libertarianism 101. Right. We're for ending the war on drugs. And a lot of these people, because they're probably playing the game yep. or whatever their yep. excuse is. Uh, they did not vote in the. Did the NHLA call them out on that? Uh, it's track too them on soon, that? I think, on that one. I don't okay. know if that one's going to show up in their calculation, but it should. So, mm. for example, uh, uh, if we have a, so there are definitely some legislators in New Hampshire that I've been talking with that definitely want to introduce some bill to take power away from DCYF to get mm-hmm. rid of this endangerment charge. Like this endangerment charge uh, shouldn't be a thing unless there's an injury or a loss. So if you if you want to introduce introduce legislation, if we can get some in, in, in legislation just introduced that basically they can't, um, you know, bring a charge against someone unless they have standing to complain, a valid cause of action, a corporate a corpus delecti, which equals jurisdiction. Um, and then the legislatures who vote against that. I like the idea of making legislation to the point to where we can take those who vote against it and we could be like, oh, so you support the violence of people who aren't violent. Mm-hmm. You support attacking people who have done nothing wrong. Right. What's in, so this is how we got to do legislation that we know won't even pass just to come against these guys who uh, basically support government, you know, forcing us to do things when there's no injured party and government using threats of violence against people when there is no injury. Let's go to the phones here. We have uh, David Butt on the line in New Mexico. David. What did you call me? Mr. Butt. Go ahead, sir. No, no, no. Well, first of all, it's a major pain uh, in the butt. That's too long. You can just call me. No, 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 no. It's not too long. It's too long. You can call me in the butt then. You can call me in the butt then. And so (laughs) I, I... uh, I, I was on the radio today. Were you? And I was uh, speaking, yeah, on KTOX, KTOX, okay. a.k.a. Kotex, if you want to. Is that um, the one you were banned from? No, no, no. I, that's another myth. That's, I ain't banned from no radio stations. We'll talk about that another time. Right. Anyway, uh, in Arizona, KTOX radio, the one that uh, chuckles a clown who can't make a telephone work just a few minutes ago from Longview, Washington, the one that he <laughs> listens to when he listens to you. And I talked to a U.S. Uh, representative, coincidentally, from the state of Arizona, where Major Payne, the original Major Payne, uh, was talking about in the, with the uh, CPS, whatever they call it there. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, I cited the declaration, as Jay just did, to um, U.S. Rep. Arizona, Paul Gosar, on the radio. You can hear it on Rumble, on KTOX's Rumble, if you want to. And uh, he said, David is right. And then, and, and one thing that he, he said, here's a direct quote from Paul Gosar, U.S. Rep. today. You can hear it on Rumble yourself. He said that the government is uh, attacking and damaging the nuclear family. family. And he said that, he, what well, he cited, for one thing, uh, Saul Alinsky, nice Jewish fellow, and, who was a communist, and he cited, but he not only cited communism, Paul Gosar did, representative, he cited uh, communist and fascist actions by our U.S. government and other governments in our country, but the U.S. government, communist and fascist behavior, uh, RE, uh, or uh, Solinsky tactics, rules for radicals, whatever. The, he said the first thing that they do, 
is attack the nuclear family. And that's, that's the words of U.S. Rep. Paul Gosar, and you can hear it for yourself on KTUX uh, Rumble if you want to, the afternoon drive-by. Or the afternoon jive by. It doesn't really call. seem like a strategy with a future. I mean, we were talking about this earlier. I think Jay, you were citing that uh, people on the left are having less than two kids per yep. per family. Uh, that's less than replacement rate. So therefore, they're going to essentially exterminate themselves. Yeah. It's a strategy that works if you have a government no, 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 no. that wants there, to completely control, step. right? There's like if you break down the family. To, there's the next step to that plan. Hmm. They destroy the families that are here that have been here for a long time and have patterns of life that are, you know, I won't waste your time describing what they are, but as America has been, and they're destroying those families. And then as you see, import, and, and, and I don't want to get in, into the debate of what immigration should or shouldn't happen, but in this case, what they're doing is they're bringing people that haven't been living in this country into the country to become voters to, to outvote those families that are that have been here that they're destroying uh, and, is and what's going on. Just to add to that, not only are they destroying the nuclear family, attacking a nu- nuclear family, the terrorist organization that calls itself Black Lives Matter, which I believe has created tremendous terror in many people in many cities in this country, especially in 2020, uh, you know, is against a nuclear family. But the other thing that they're doing is they're subsidizing um these uh, f- uh you know fatherless families tremendously so most of these single moms are on some sort mm, of government welfare. subsidy mm. and, and welfare right and by getting the getting the families on welfare well, you know what we're seeing has, is another pattern is becoming is this is why all the drug encampments are showing up so i can almost guarantee that most of these people that are hooked on drugs living in a drug encampment somewhere um you know tent city venice beach california whatever they got them in manchester too um <clears throat> you know they're pro- they're quite likely statistics show the um result of a uh a, a, of a a, a a single parent that ha- they have no father they were raised by the mother the mother was uh quite likely on welfare and when the kids spend those formative years their brain development years being raised by you know essentially mom who's just like hanging out on welfare and just you know you know letting the internet raise a kid or whatever and sending them off to school because you know mom's on welfare uh and 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 there's a lot of this and i'm not against single moms i'm not against people on welfare but the the little chicken learns from the big chicken so they learn that that's a way of life so the idea to stay on the system and and keep on you know essentially essentially nursing off the teat of the state uh becomes generational uh generational becomes their culture and then what you end up with is drug encampments just like i've been saying health and human services is literally murdering people by giving them money to do fentanyl and heroin and whatever thank you uh david for the call tonight i appreciate it uh so let's change gears here i know that uh mushroom uh, mushroom mushroom <laughs> mush mike. mouth mike M- mush right. mouth mike <laughs> You wanted to say it because about I mumble sometimes. A boycott. So I have to, yeah. You wanted to talk about a boycott that was interesting to you. What's going on? Uh, yeah. So what little bit I follow the news. I know the Bud Light thing has happened. Uh, yeah. Supposedly they're down big time. Yeah. So it's lost a lot of money uh, in Target now. I guess they've lost their minds. I mean, we, I we told shot. my wife not to go there. I said I don't care if the diapers cost double somewhere else. Don't support Target. And yeah, she's we, like, we've been sharp in there for a while, and I've noticed that, uh, I don't know, for years, that their their models and their their pictures that they have have just gone crazy. You know, like, Really? Yeah, you know, in terms of just the people that they would stereotypically put up there, you know, there's, uh, have great big fat models and uh, mm. just, anyways, They're it's, it's Quote-unquote woke whatever, whatever the terminology it. is. It, it, the terminology gets so deep. Um, but I guess these boycotts are working. 
Are they? Uh, uh, maybe if their money is going down, then I would think that they'll change their thing. But I kind of was hoping maybe we could do the same thing with the dollar. We could boycott the dollar mm, uh, mm, or this mm. other blood money. You know, maybe we'd see some real change like we have with like Bud Light or, uh, you know, Target uh, needing to change things up because they find out that people don't want to buy their crap anymore. Looks like, uh, yeah, the Target stock price is down somewhat year to date, uh, down from as high as a. Uh, Hundred and eighty one dollars to one hundred and thirty one. So, it's been a what bit about of a, but what about Anheuser Busch? Uh, Anheuser Busch. I've got that one pulled up here as well. Also down from a high of around sixty six dollars to fifty three eighty one. So yeah, there's been a bit so, bit of a drop there. So this like fat thing, like people like they're embracing like the fat. You know, you see the fat chick on you know display or whatever. Right, right. Like I don't know what they even call. Yeah, that and I don't movement. mean just fat. I mean like you know. It, it, Obese. You're talking yeah, about obese. Yes, obese. Like saying obese. this is okay. This, so, you, you, it's if, okay to look like this. It's healthy. It's healthy, yeah. Someone who's morbidly <laughs> obese is, is going to be tremendously dependent on government because mm-hmm. they are going to be so unhealthy. Uh, you know, they are they are going to get to the point to where they're going to be on disability. They can't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be, walk. you know, uh, they're going to be signing up for the government health care because they're going to need all kinds of stuff. And and these people are, you know, the only way you get that way is is literally by eating a whole bunch of junk food. I used to be fat. I was three hundred pounds at one time. If you mm-hmm. go, you go internet search J Noon Pork Fest um, Soapbox Idol rant. The first thing that pulls up is a two hundred eighty five pound me standing there on the stage. Check that out. <laughs> what do you weigh now? If you don't mind, uh, I'm like two eighteen today. Wow. Okay. But uh, you know, and, and intermittent fasting. People should look into intermittent fasting. It is like. You know, not eating for 16 hours a day gives your body time to reset. And as humans, we need to do that. And I've met so many people that are like old, older, healthy people. Like these these old guys that I like buy hay from, you know, they're like 75 years old and they're stacking hay. Um, You know, they're like, ah, I just just eat supper. It's the only thing I eat. I I (laughs) drink coffee and eat supper, drink water, you know. And and, and these guys are like, would, would destroy almost any... You know, um, twenty-year-old prosecutor, soy boys. Yeah, like you know, yeah, I'd love to see what, how, you know how, how much hay these guys could stack on a you know hot day in August. And you know, this is like this old farmer I know, Cedric. He's just like he's doing it, it, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 he's just a healthy old guy. And, and just, but there's a lot, and you just when you only eat once a day and you do this fasting and you're only eating you know really nutritionally dense food and like he's a guy that raises all his food for example and he's been living off all his food his whole life and and he's like mentally sharp and actually he's not 75 he's 78 i believe wow. and he's a guy I buy cows from and do some business with Good and example. it's just like uh, and, and i know a lot of those guys but you know you don't see any old fat people no and, you yeah, don't and and that's the thing too is there's you know, no 80 year old fat people right you, you know <laughs> so bill gates and the rest of jeffrey epstein's friends don't want people living long. They don't want people living to, you know, to collect social security. And if you're, uh, you know, if you're obese, you're probably not going to get there. Yeah, I, uh, I saw this recently. There was a guy online. He's pretty entertaining. He's a free stater. Actually, his name is Ron Rule on Twitter. And he posted an image from Victoria's Secret, you know, the lingerie catalog oh, yeah. Yeah. from 18 years ago. And then he posted one from today. And, of course, 18 years ago, it was like all these major babes, right? Like foxy ladies, very little clothing. Sure. And then the new photo of Victoria's Secret, for real, was all these unattractive, several fatties, one trans-looking person. And they're wearing, like, 
t-shirts or something like that. They right. weren't the- even lingerie. It was so weird. It was totally a change, a complete change to their brand. What's the guy's name that owns Victoria's Secret? He's one of... Uh, I don't know. Uh, is it Lex something? Lex West? Lex, Lex Luthor? Luther? <laughs> uh, I, I can't, I, I'm going to say the guy's name wrong. But anyways, he's a guy who... This guy, the guy who owns Victoria's Secret, is a guy who bought Jeffrey Epstein's house on, on really? Fifth yeah, Avenue. Yeah, they're all they're all connected. Probably he's, a creepy guy, too. I, I, mm-hmm. Most likely a pedophile, just like Clinton, just like Biden. All these guys are a bunch of pedophiles. All of Jeffrey Epstein's friends. You know, everybody on a client list... Hey, FBI, I know you're listening to this. How come you haven't arrested anybody on Gislaine Maxwell's client list, but you're, you're screwing with my buddy Ian, who hasn't hurt anybody, and you, we got pedophiles out there running, and they're hiding out in New Hampshire. They, they arrested Gislaine literally 15 miles from my house. Mm. And in a compound, or, or I don't know if it was a compound, but it looked like it, according to the, you know, if you want to see what a compound is. And, you know, it was, um, <laughs> it was owned by a shell company that was created by, you know, Governor uh, uh, Sheena Han's husband. Um, according to uh, Mike Gill, so like, yeah, it's just ridiculous, you know, double standard. Just like here with the with the local cops coming after, uh, you know, free staters. But you're saying, uh, Mike, that people should vote with their dollars, right? Like, if yeah. they're seeing these corporations, which it seems like all the big corporations are going in the same direction, uh, so it can be hard to get away from, you know, purchasing. Like, you know, you want to go buy a T-shirt or whatever. Odds are that you probably don't have one sewn by your neighbor at a decent price. So, like, you got to go somewhere to get this stuff, and they're all going in this direction. So, how do you really accomplish this? Stop using dollars in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, come to New Hampshire. We have market days. I mean, it ain't it ain't easy. No, it isn't. Easy. But if you don't like war, uh, and you don't like taxation being theft, and just otherwise silliness like what's happening to Jay. I mean, if we didn't have taxation, you know, if we didn't pay for these things with money, we stole from you know that mm-hmm. we agreed that it was okay to steal from our neighbor. For. There's no way that uh, people would voluntarily host an army to come after Jay uh, for some silliness like this. So yeah, voting with those dollars uh, and not using them, using you know Bitcoin, trade, gold, silver. I mean, we've got silver mints here. Yeah, that's true. All sorts of things, so you don't have to use their blood money. You got to have a community though to make that possible, and we do have that here in New Hampshire. So if you do love liberty, if you're a libertarian, a voluntarist, uh, liberty-minded uh, anarchist, then you really ought to check out the Free State Project. A couple, of, uh, a couple weeks from now, they're going to have the Porcupine Freedom Festival and Fork Fest. Fork Fest kicks off on the 15th at Rogers Campground. Check out ForkFest.Party and ForkFest.Com. Some of the Free Talk Live hosts will look forward to seeing you there. We'll see you tomorrow. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.